0: Order using DoorDash today. Terms apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Gray Block Pizza. For all of your pizza needs, if you need it, they got it. If you're in Los Angeles, you could stop over there. Get that taste. Get that vibe. Get your mouth full. 1811 Pico Boulevard in Los Angeles on the way to the beach. Gray Block. Get that hitter, baby. Today's guest is one of the most successful and one of the most um, musically, uh, maybe provocative or, I don't know, unique men that there is in the music market. He has a new album out, which is uh, kind of a country, well, I don't know what to classify. We'll get into it a little bit, but uh, it is Diplo Presents. Thomas Wesley, Chapter One Snake Oil is the new album. I suggest you check it out. It's got some real bangers on it. Today's guest is none other than Diplo.
1: I mean, you, you did it you did it, you did it more riff rap here, right? Was it here? Uh, was in Florida. Okay, so that was
0: really like he, I, I w- put, you kind of helped
1: kind of Yeah, I mean I was I remember he was living in Baltimore and I just was watching his videos and I had a I had a label, I saw the label called Mad Decent, and mm-hmm. I was just like, Man, this guy there's something special about him and um I linked him and had him come up to LA and we worked a little bit and um we made his we, I signed him to his first album on my label, which for me in retrospect, I think it was one of the most groundbreaking hip hop albums of this like new generation and people won't believe me but every time I work with a young rapper they always brought him up like cuz they're right. like 14, 15 they watch him on YouTube and he's like doing lines of coke or like acting crazy or just being unabashedly himself, right? Yeah, 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 they, that's ha- what he is. They had this free they see that and they see like this idea of like the freedom that he did cuz he was like and- he was like the people on Wall would comment just he would blow up and Wall talk to people, just like, fuck this. Like, you know, they were like, what the fuck is this bullshit? <laughs> but it it's like drove the the videos up to where people were like so confused. And if you're like an older person, you're like, I don't get that hip hop. But if you're like 14 or 15, you're like, oh, I love this, I love this punk dude. aspect of this. So like That's a good word. He's like punk hip hop. Yeah, he was punk and he was just everything was freestyle too. I mean he was that's what I am saying with him. I I bet the podcast is just so good because the guy's so fast. Like he just Oh, he's the that things, cherry canary, bro. The things bro. he freaking comes up with, yeah. pulls out of space is just like, what the fuck, bro? He's that
0: Tangerini Lamborghini <laughs> dude. He has a. What was the album called? I want to give him. I know he has a new album out right now called Vanilla, Vanilla Gorilla. Yeah. Vanilla Gorilla. So everybody, go and get that and support Riff Raff, man. Uh, yeah, I love him, dude. When I so I went to his place in De- Florida Deerfield, and this, this yeah, where yeah, he lives. yep, in Deerfield. So. We get there, we go to the front door, right? And I'm kind of nervous because it's almost like meeting like an endangered
1: species. Yeah, so. <laughs> if you don't know him for the first time, he must be a pretty daunting <laughs> yeah, yeah. creature. <laughs>
0: Remember in Jurassic Park when they kind of are <laughs> milling around and they know the yeah. dinosaurs out there? And
1: they just see the big old brontosaurus. Yeah. It's kind of guys, like that. When yeah, he's just, like that.
0: When you're riding along, you don't know where the animal's going to come yeah. from. And then I, we get to the front door and it has been welded shut. There is no way. There's it no an actual door? Yes. It, it's just a huge piece of metal that's just welded. <laughs> Why do you get in? Bro, that's what I didn't know. <laughs> so I start just saying things that I'd seen on Harry Potter, you know, like Zillicus, <laughs> trying to open the, Try to open the door. And then um, he takes us, and then he comes out, his assistant comes out through the garage and he met us in there. He had an he, assistant? He had no, this guy Maserati Mike. Oh, I has- Matt. met.
1: Yeah, he always has people around that are just like crazy people yeah, yeah, yeah. that are his assistants. But I don't know. Crazy, but also <laughs> slash
0: barber. Yeah. And Maserati Mike gave me some stripes in my head, too, that were really, really dope. And I felt like when he did that, that I was Did like, he have the
1: mullet when you, when you interviewed him? Yeah, he did. He just gotten it. He has a good mullet. Yeah. Oh, he's got beautiful hair. I cut his brother's hair, Victor. Is that who you did on, the, yeah, on your Instagram? on Instagram. <clears throat> and he has good. There you go right there. Yeah, he has a good. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's a young mullet. Now your mullet's a little fuller. Puffy. You, got, you shave the in, the insides a little bit more? Yeah, it's
0: getting a little more. I have,
1: I have the straightest hair that like my mullet, I'm going to get a mullet soon because it's my last thing Hell before yeah. I just shave the head off. Because of oh, you're going all the way back <clears throat> to that. Bro, I'm 41. I mean, like this is my last chance for growing my hair long. I don't think this is like, it was like an accident. I started doing it. I'm just like, I can't turn back now. It's like a one-way street. And um, I'm so scared when I do it, I just give up on the dream of having long hair. Yeah. Right? So I'm going to to the mullet. And um, but I have straight ass hair, so it's going to look like oh yeah, it's going to look like Joe dirt, like uh, I mean, yeah, like Joe Dirt, like Joe. But I don't, even, I don't even I don't even have the the hair that sticks up though, like no, how no. those guys, like the '80s guys, had the fucking things that pop up. It's not going like yeah. that. It's going to look like. I mean, can you pull up any like? St- I don't know if you can pull up any mullets that are straight hair mullet. It's pretty. Yeah, let's go straight. Well, hair Joe Exotic, but he's hair. he. Has, I think his hair was he bleaches so much it got like, f- fluffy, but it's kind of hard to do the straight hair mullet, man.
0: Or straight... almost
1: stringy. Yeah. I didn't want to say it. You said it, Nick. Thank you. <laughs> Stringy hair. I have and, thin hair. I'll be honest, man. It's like I'm, I'm on my last leg over here. I mean, these are like these are like uh, <laughs> there's a lot of women coming. <laughs> that up. one. That, go to the second one. That's what it's gonna look like. A prison. Oh, <laughs> 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 it's like that's what I'm gonna look like, bro. And I think it's and it's blonde. So you're, you're gonna think I'm bald. Really, it's gonna be pretty, dude. If you go full with the front, really, really low cut, that's gonna be a brave move. But you're gonna but, feel like a stallion. Yeah, I mean, who has a good that mullet? Is a uh, Diane Ward had a good had a good mullet. The who's, guy from Ninja Dian he has a good mullet. Oh, who's always uh? He's a South African rapper,
0: n- and
1: his and his so girlfriend. He was always talking about him. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh wow, he does. And his girl has a really good mullet too. Oh yeah, I'd watch their heads fuck. Yeah. I'd watch You never, their you, heads never heads you never, you never seen them? Uh uh-uh. uh They're they're a rappers from South Africa that like he's an old school hip hop rapper, mm-hmm. um, like from that era from South Africa, but he like thinks. Afrikaans like the wackest culture in the world so he kind of like made a fake version of Afrikaans rapper as like kind of a joke but it was amazing like this culture of like these kind of like Cape Town like
0: yeah I've been there a couple of times in the I really streets love it and,
1: yeah they, they made fun of the whole culture of like being like white South African Afrikaans rapping and they just made it actually cool he made these amazing videos like super cutting edge I produced some of the music for them and they made a movie um about robots in South Africa. they actually they did amazing things like full artist I love the guy and that's his that's hit the girl in the band Sick Rapper too. and they both were like they had a child together and they're just like an awesome power couple wow. and they're doing like cool things for in South Africa for the like, community there yeah I think so I think they they represent like Cape Town like kind of like this kind of hybrid of like i mean south africa for me one of the most amazing places like culturally my favorite country man yeah i love it i mean like i go there i work a lot in africa with like mother project major laser and, and like i do shows like nigeria we go to uganda kenya and south africa is like a bubble like doesn't really it's, it exists on its own because it's so diverse with yeah. like people and music and even the scene there. there's like techno music there like african techno african house is, like african hip-hop you know they, they speak uh nkosa they speak like four different languages they have whole different music scenes and they have Afrikaans. they have like you know rock and roll it's just the craziest most vibrant place it's Just right. like chaos there And i love that place so much and then if you see cape town they have like these amazing communities there where they're like doing like drifting and like they're doing like these crazy it's just it's just such a huh. bizarre place
0: i wonder why well i guess because i mean obviously they have so much african culture there like yeah. anytime i've been there we even went up into like um, into the country, like away from yeah. some of the coastal areas and went to like some black colleges, yeah. like like the first black college yeah. ever in like some places. So I could see how they just have their influences are just all over the place. Because it's yeah. also real kind of avant-garde. Like they're yeah.
1: they had I mean there's like this it was always the richest African country. Um it's terrible because like you know it was it was colonized and I think it was, you know, it's this hybrid of European, like four different tribes that are really big in South Africa. Then you have like Indian uh, culture and then like a lot of immigrants and then the like you no know, like the last 20 years i mean apartheid only ended like the 90s which yeah. is crazy and then it kind of dissolved into like there's like chaos in the polit- the political universe there but in general um it's very it's a first world country it's like the infrastructure was built during apartheid and there was always like uh they had like a space program you know that they had like no yeah in the 80s they had like a space program Dude, i'd and, love
0: to see that
1: <laughs> i mean it's like this kind of like sense of like I mean when you watch Diane Ward in their movies and some of this stuff there's like sense of like aliens in South Africa you know like this kind of oh the movie he did the movie where the guys were like at District 9 like they're oh, they're, yeah, they yeah, that that, they're part of that, that that community that do that kind. stuff. Of, so that's a full like South African film and it kind of feels like you know yeah, the message that there that was amazing with those big so, yeah. aliens kind of yeah. like and it was like in a jungle, like a realistic almost. version of like how aliens it's it was, it was, it was a movie about refugee culture because be the like. aliens are like refugees and they're put into like this oh. they're they're put into like the ghettos yeah and it's like a, it's like if you take the idea of race and humans out of it you think about it from a different perspective that's the movie it's like kind of like you think about it in a different way like how you know we're actually one species humans right and how can you like discern like the idea of race and spe- it's just like kind of a really strong conversation because south africa is such a violent history and um you know it's kind of cool now because i think the younger generation of kids i see when i go and play there they're like finally post apartheid like the way they think about people right. and like but if you've meet p- people that are over 30 they still have it's this. Different. They still have this sense of inbred racism in their minds. You yeah. know that they have to get rid of.
0: Yeah, it's fa- racism is kind of fascinating, man. Because some of it is, I think it's some of it. Sadly, I think just takes time to go. Yeah, because some of it isn't even some people's fault. It is. It's the parent. It's the grand. It's yeah. just something that's like it's almost like that Reaganomics. That it's hard. Down. It's, it's
1: hard to change your parents' minds. You know, like it's just it's weird, and um. Because South in Africa at time yeah too. South Africa like really when it, when apartheid broke I think it was like a, a strong like they the, the 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 whole culture changed rules changed laws changed, and it, like broke really America's had this like sliding dealing with racism yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. never really gone anywhere. we never really I mean we had like a, a civil rights movement which was was you know people always go back to that like that was a big movement but really nothing when you think about what's happening now like nothing really has changed since then for right. black Americans to where it's still like Ingrained like racism in our in our in our society and you think about places which is amazing about a civil rights movement because they think about places like brazil even like they don't they never had that they never had places like where they had a movement right for like black brazilians and brazilians of color to, like change the government the way the country is but america had it but we just still have no we're dealing with racism so slowly right i mean the fact that we're still like mississippi and i was born in mississippi is now have the conversation to change the confederate flag off their flag is like that was the confederate flag was put on mississippi's flag during like the 1890s as like to because of that was a racy time yeah it was definitely done as like a moment like a really racist movement and right. it's like there's no reason to there's no pride or heritage in that flag like for me right i'm born in mississippi and i you know i'm proud of it i'm proud that i was i was born there but i mean there's no reason for that Symbol to mean anything to anybody. It's literally the symbol of losers, and it, it offends people. So I don't understand what the what the argument is. Well, I
0: think, and I, and I can even not I can't justify the argument, but I know that I think there's some people who just grew up with it not being like a, maybe their grandparents it was yeah. a racist thing for you know, but I think there's like younger people who are just like, oh, that
1: means that I'm southern, or that means yeah. that I'm. They, they, it There's a lot of disinformation of like what it does mean. Like, and people when people experience like what Black Lives Matter means or defund the police, it's like a shocking idea right in the beginning. But if you just read into it a little bit and kind of understand the concepts, you can kind of be logical about the way you think about it. If you think about the reason of that image, it's kind of easy to understand why it's uninclusive. But if you're born there and you just grew up there, you want to hold on to that because that's you. Like I I understand that. It's a little bit of your tradition. Yeah, but you don't know, you you don't think about, oh wait, that actually is something that was extremely racist when it was put into the flag whatever. So then you can feel... Oh yeah, that's why I, that's why it bothers people. And then you got to realize, like, is it that important to you, right. as it is to them? Because it's actually offensive to them, but for you, it just means like something that you don't really understand that it means. But
0: right for you, it's maybe something that you put up on yeah. your wall. But I think um, you know, because I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, I know yeah. exactly what you're saying. The tough part is getting people to see that other perspective, really getting them to see it. Yeah. You know, and also, yeah, I think for a lot of people, and that would be my only argument against. Not against it, but for understanding, like having empathy for why some yeah. people think, "Oh, you're taking away a
1: piece of my tradition." Yeah. You know,
0: it's just the tradition to them, everybody, not as much the
1: history. Yeah, everybody in America is like feel like they're fighting to the hold. Like, they're just fighting for like hold on to something. Like, but it's like you got to understand what is it, what's it really mean? If you kind of right. want to define it to yourself, and if you it, dig that deep, you'll be like, "Oh, actually, you know what? It's kind of bullshit." But it might take you a while to scratch the surface, right? That's to the get thing. there, and that's the thing, and that's the, that's what I think. um, you know
0: it's like having empathy for people as they figure out what's that process, yeah. and that's sometimes I think what's hard to do between different sides. It's like yeah. you know it's you know I've been lucky enough and you know to come from a place and to kind of get to another place where you can kind of get a different view yeah. of things, even as going to South Africa, bro I remember the first time I went to South Africa it was the first country I ever went to outside of America. why'd you go there for the first time um I was working on a reality show and they took us there as a trip oh uh, yeah, as a, a trip. trip and I remember getting there and I remember there were so many we were in like these Soweto villages and stuff yeah. and there's so many black people Yeah, just so many and I grew up in Louisiana and it's, it was really 50-50 in our yeah. area but I remember thinking holy smokes all these people and there was a lot of Christians too there and I remember you know I believe in going to heaven and stuff and so I remember thinking holy smokes there's going to be a lot of black people in heaven. I'd never. <laughs> that's, a, that's kind of weird to conceptualize it that way. It but is, I guess, but I'd never thought about yeah. it. You know, I guess I'd only gone to mostly white churches and. You know, not that I thought heaven was only for white people, but when I saw, so, it was just, um, I mean, some of the Soweto villages were tens of thousands of people yeah. out in these like lean and shanty yeah. towns. Yeah. And I was like, holy smokes, like all these people are going to be in heaven too. And I'd never put that other
1: countries also go to heaven. I, yeah. I think I just never, I thought heaven was just for Americans. You know? <laughs> it's, it's crazy to think about America, that's the most segregated place in America is churches. Like literally, like you never see like white and black people go to church together. Yeah, it's always like a defined. But church is chicken it's, it's, brings in everybody. Yeah, church is chicken is <laughs> the only place where it's like everybody's there having a good time. But I just thought about that. It's not like a bad thing. It's, you know, religion is you know it's organized in a certain way. But you never. It's I, I went to church all the time as my as a young person. It was just like our neighborhood down in Florida, Mississippi, was like like a white church. Yeah, and the black church was on another side of the street or whatever, and it never was like.
0: The black church was fucking hyped It was as way way more. hype. Idea. it was not <laughs> like, black way church. more.
1: I was like, can we go to the black church, you know, every once in a while? Dude, I, I remember going to a black <laughs> funeral and being like, "Damn, I
0: want to be black, man." Because I mean, it, with this well, funeral, well the, well, the with
1: Louisiana, you have like the most amazing funeral culture. It's like crazy with the second line and like jazz funerals and like wow it's like just the you culture you're definitely is, going to heaven are yeah, you going 100 you're going somewhere way better than we are Yeah. <laughs> i don't want to go there and just like a guy like going oh dude i want to go there was like fucking I know, jazz I music funk, Dude, i want the top of this yeah, I, want I want the top the of the fuck. casket to be wet yes. that's how it is sometimes man
0: <laughs> um we had a question that came in for you actually right here there's questions oh shit. not sure if our audio is <laughs> up or not
1: mm-hmm. it looks like my my nephew <laughs> it might be man <laughs> What up, Theo? What up, Diplo? Hey, man, Diplo. I just want to know, man, what made you want to drop the country album? Oh shit! That thing slapped. Yeah. Bump it every day. <laughs> uh, other than that, man, keep doing what you're doing. Gang, gang, let's get it. <laughs> there you go. Let me see you I was, dose I, was just, I was just, I was just, talking to uh to my bo- to the to Ernest who worked with Morgan Wallen in the car on the way here. And we were talking about, like, growing up, I lived in Nashville for a couple of years, in Hendersonville, and I didn't consider myself part of, like, country or not. I was in the hip-hop scene there doing stuff. But um, when you grew up there, it's like, the channels are, like, 31 is, is, is uh, CMT, and then 33 is BET. And I remember mm-hmm. when I got out of school, I would watch the CMT Country Countdown, and I would watch Rap City right afterwards. And I was always, like, the fusion of that between commercial breaks, I would switch channels, I'd watch, like, you know, I'd see, like, Alan Jackson videos, and then I'd watch, like, KRS-One or, like, Wu-Tang. And I just was like, grew up with that music everywhere, and you know, kids in their trucks, riding around doing the same thing, listening to country and hip hop. And um, my album isn't really a fusion of that, but I I, like the last couple of years, I've been like getting more and more into country because the artists are so awesome and like so much good stuff coming out of Nashville and songwriters, you know, from um, Morgan to like Chris Stapleton to uh, uh, um, my guy uh, Sturgill Simpson. Oh yeah. And there's just, I was like, damn, this stuff's like. Awesome, like Maren Morris, you know Casey Musgraves, and I was like getting into the vibe a little bit, and I was just thinking like, what Th- this sh- this shouldn't be a taboo thing to do is like work on country, and um when we first made the first song, Morgan. It was like very controversial for Nashville, even for him, like cause it was a trap record, kind of. Like I don't even think about that. I just put the drums that fit on the record, right? Um, but it was like never got played on country radio. We had to get it on, really. Yeah, it got got, got on a highway on the on, and still not playing on country radio because they don't. They think it's too.
0: You guys, remake. You
1: mean the the one you that's yeah. on your new album? Yeah, it's more. It's called Heartless and Morgan Wallen. Yeah. And it's like kind of like got eight oh eights and stuff man. in it. Yeah, so good. So man. it's just. But it's streamed like crazy. So like all these kids are listening to it and people are doing a TikTok. And I'm like this, you kind of don't need the Nashville scene to do the country music. Like you have to, it's like an order to get in there. I felt like, and I just felt like me and me and Morgan, we did this record and he believed in me. I'm so glad he gave me this record. And um, we did it separately. We did, we streamed the record and kids liked it. And I think like kids that are that guy's age, like high school kids and um, older kids are just, this this music, this fusion of kind of like club and hip hop and country which isn't forced, just we worked hard on making it make sense. Yeah. Um, it really is a time for that right now, where people can, like I said, no country radio is playing, and we're almost having like half a billion streams in the album already.
0: But it's also interesting too, because I think that younger generations, you see them, they want it to be, they want to find it in an alternative way. Yeah, And it's
1: where we get stuck in, in in ways that we kind of grew up with, yeah. like you want to get it on this. Like I said, like we're just talking about the churches. I mean, when you go to high school, you're like, you get in with the the art kids, you get in with like the the, the the jocks. You get in with like the goth kids. I mean, if you're a black kid, you're going to do a certain thing. Like you're going to live with your experiences in that neighborhood. Like you might get into hip hop. It's going to be hard for you to get into goth music or right. metal music, but some kids do it. Nowadays, kids don't have only the information in their neighborhoods. They have YouTube. They have TikTok and they're getting exposed to everything and yeah. they make the choices about what they want to be or what they want to do really really early. Like it used to be kind of like you, you know, you have these genres and you got to as people you get put into them too because of the amount of information you get and I think the last couple of years it's just there's no genres we're like we broke that down I think that's why it's a time a record like this can exist you know and like people yeah. aren't you know or, or you know rapper like I think Outkast is a good example when they came out they just broke down all barriers and they made quality music they made funk they made rock they made hip hop they made like you know trap music and they just like crush it internationally and I think that was like a good example of what you could do. You can mix everything up together and I think that from then on they opened the door for a lot of music to just be like genreless and I've always been a mm. been, like a sponsor of that, you know.
0: Yeah, you seem really kind of genreless, especially I feel like as you get more into like kind of learning about, you know, what you've done and where you've gone through and like even just the locations that you've done a lot of your shows like you'll do some I mean even just saying that you've done shows in Nigeria, it's yeah. and- uh, Tunis—I don't know if you said Tunisia or not—but <laughs> Uganda.
1: We Uganda. did like we, did, we yeah. played like we played like Uganda Independence Day. Wow! Because the project—I do another project called Major Laser. Is just um, yeah. We—it we, it doesn't really—it's not like a big project in America. We had a huge record called Lean On that was here a couple of years ago, and like lighted up, but never really like the brand never worked. It's like group of guys like me, my friend is Jamaican, my friend Mexican, ape drums and Wall Street Fire. And We're just like this diverse group. We have dancers and we do a show. But it didn't really fit into the trend in America where we like were able to tour it or whatever. But in Africa, just took off like wow. that project because I think Africa is just a, also a place where you see the fusion. Like you think South Africa is like that diverse place, and like Uganda, Kenya, especially, we, were, we had these big shows. So we're, there were there were more people coming to our shows in Kenya than I could get in like New York. Dang. We have like fifteen thousand kids in like in Nairobi at our shows, That's and, then, crazy. and we actually got we got paid really well. And then Africa is difficult touring because you have a couple markets where you can make, but Nigeria, I'd always go there and play for free. Like the first couple times I went there, because it was they don't give a fuck. They were just like they had like the, the Nigerian music scene is so enormous mm-hmm. and it's so big and right now it's so influential that we had to like actually ch- chip our way into that. And then finally had some fans come in, and then we had a couple records that were that did well there. And um, for a couple of years I just concentrated on like Africa and like you know Europe for touring for that project because it was that's where my money was. Yeah. And then um, you know being here in quarantine and working on the country album is the first time where I've had like a record connect in America actually. So. I've been just pushing that out, making videos and marketing. Yeah, this it.
0: song slap, man. Yeah. I mean, it's
1: really good. We have, we have a guy who works on a, a different podcast called King of the Sting, and
0: he is the only Black Henry Rollins fan that I have. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting to see, like that, that a younger generation. Yeah. There's not things aren't as linear, you know. Like we talk a lot about beige power here. That one day, like we're all hurtling towards this yeah. beige skin
1: tone eventually. Yeah. Where you know? it's like we yeah, have one. We're going to be one person because yeah. of globalization. It's like just, you know, it might be slower than you think, but it might be faster. And I think we're all going to work towards, you know, one culture. I mean, people, we have only one YouTube, right? At the yeah. end of the day. So you have records that can go anywhere. They can get big in Africa. They can get big in China, Japan. And you have like, it also, e- it. it also equalizes anybody can just upload a song to SoundCloud or YouTube and it can go. You don't need a label. You don't need, you used to need nice. infrastructure. Because that changes the, the, there's not as much of that, the, the, the glass ceiling, the doorkeepers. Yeah. You don't need, you don't need a, To break through all these doors to get to where you are like if you're in a band back in the 60s you first have to save up money to get a guitar or whatever learn it find people who like guitar too become a band Spend yeah, your energy, yeah. Leave learning, your learning songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like divorce
0: your wife, whatever. Go to Sun Studios. Yeah. find
1: some money to go to a studio, record a demo. This is already three years into your yeah, project. Yeah, yeah. Then maybe find someone to send your demo to, and then maybe suck someone's dick at a label to get in the <laughs> yeah. door or whatever. Yeah, that's true. And then that's like three. And then so they, you need a woman yeah, in the band. Cra- you have <laughs> to have, <laughs> or you, that you, a man, yeah, you need just a man. Yeah, that's just eager man. Yeah, it just gotta. It's it was so rough, and it, the the process took so fucking long. And then maybe they'll give you a deal, which is gonna suck, obviously. Yeah. Then do you gotta force them to market your music and maybe make a, what a video or go on tour we're talking five year process to get your one fucking song out right now kids are like 17 suburbs of fort lauderdale Bye. have a fucking crazy ass haircut <laughs> yeah, and a face yeah. tat bang drop a record and they're fucking low peep yeah. it's got to be a fucking but it's got to be a movement like for me peep was like amazing you know i it took me a while to like get into this music and i became a huge fan and like xxx tentation another guy would just like I was like, these guys are like doing it from the heart, really. Like, even with Riff Raff in the beginning, you just feel like it's really raw and real. Like, cause they didn't have any, it's almost like folk music. They had no background to do it. They just dropped what they felt right. like they could do. And it was like people and kids connected with it. Like, wow. Yeah, they would even be fun, like really fucked up making the music sometimes. I mean, Riff I couldn't fucking make a song with him without a <laughs> bag of cocaine. Like, it was a fucking, we had a studio and there was a painting. I got like a gold record on the wall. And he fucking dug a hole behind the painting and hid cocaine there. So I was like, where's the coke come from? Like You always had <laughs> yeah. a bag of cocaine hidden in a wall <laughs> socket somewhere. And I was like, and without the cocaine, he would just be like, oh, trying to write lyrics. Like, what the fuck? And then with the coke, psh, drop, go in the booth, 16 fucking verses, just dropping them like left Damn. and right. So not to say you should do cocaine, but for some people, it just no. helped a little bit. But look, it's
0: Florida. <laughs> look, that's
1: considered a hobby in Florida, yeah, like, I think. And it's
0: a little wet. That's the thing about that Florida cocaine, man. It's got a little damp on the top.
1: It's crazy the different places where drugs are so accessible. Like Florida, yeah. Coke was like people in high school were just doing it. I mean, I don't even know what kids are doing nowadays. That's crazy. crazy. I don't know either. But
0: I don't know if kids are doing as much. Uh, I I want to tell a riffraff story too because it is so much fun. There's something about him. It's like seeing the only – It's like somebody knows where there's like a freaking like hippopotamus and they're not telling anybody
1: else or something, you know? He's like – He's just like – And if you get – he, it's, he's had a career, a long career now, man. He's been like doing this for like ten years. And if you go in that YouTube down the whole tunnel, yeah. well, you can go over there for like a week. Yeah, it's just crazy. It gets deep. It's, if he I'm, cut up a mango for me, man.
0: He said he was changing his diet, mangoes only. He told me. I've he, seen him go through a, a lot of
1: different <laughs> diets, man. He was on a drug bending WWF diet once. And oh yeah. He's. I think he's vegan though. He's
0: the so last couple of deep. years. And I mean, he's in sober, shape. So I think he's doing. Good for him. Yeah, last time I saw him, he was getting more and that was more the, the vibe he was going for.
1: I took him to the premiere of that movie, um, Game Changers, which is a movie about Arnold Schwarzenegger produced it and the uh, James Cameron. It's a movie about like how the how you don't know this, but the best athletes in the world are vegan and they have been for a while. Like the oh, wow. biggest weightlift the, the, the guy who's like the strong man of the world, like the biggest uh weightlifter, this guy, Armenian guy, he's vegan. Uh the best female like bike riders vegan, the best track runners are vegan. And um, I don't suggest everybody be vegan because I think it's just you know you gotta. Right, I like, know that's learn. interesting though. That's an interesting through but it's, line. But when you're doing when you're doing yeah that guy he's vegan, look <laughs> at that guy. Bone. So you can actually get big, uh, or is it Iranian or something? But he's he looks awesome. He got the sickest. I mean, if you get the oh. mullet and those sideburns, that oh. guy's the Icelandic guy. That guy's a beast. He's like seven foot tall. The other guy, but that guy, wow. he's apparently the biggest uh, weightlifter and he's vegan. Huh. So did, yeah the
0: chris paul was they were, they were talking about a new diet that chris paul was doing yeah. i think it was vegan and how yeah I, and, chris and was at it was the helping chris
1: him. And, and uh chris was at the um some of the basketball player yeah he was the premier and so was deandre jordan who also uh was he's vegan. hilarious he's big yeah, yeah texas he actually went to high school with the riffraff did he really i took him to vegas once they recognized each other no yeah i was like what
0: <laughs> riffraff has the best stories of, so i pull i get there so i go into the garage he shows me all the clothes that i owned from 1991 right
1: his clothes are yours they're his yeah.
0: but he, he, actually they could have been my childhood clothes he just happened to have them in a box at his house right he
1: probably could still wear them and make sense of uh, it because
0: bro he had all just every anything that was hyper color yes anything anything with the air jordan like and four mood. colors and like yeah totally all of that in a box then he's like let's go for a ride so he give me this pretty cool bike. was it a bicycle Yes, like a motorized bike, and he got on a four-wheeler, and we literally went through his neighborhood. I thought going to say, he gave me a bison, and yeah. I rode it around, <laughs> <beer field laughs> yeah, be, yeah. and I was like,
1: whoa, this would be just some coke, <laughs> yeah. crash into a brick wall. <laughs> well, the
0: bison went and bought a couple grams while I was on it. <laughs> I was so, like, what a fucking, that's a big bison, he was strong. I had to fucking bankroll that bison, <laughs> dude, yeah. I'm like, I don't know if Joe Rogan would he this <laughs> me, bro, he might fucking coked take, up bison. take his own life, You ever hear the
1: story about the coked-up bear? And, uh, there's a there's a bu- a bunch of coke. Maybe you look up the coked up bear. This is another good story. <laughs> a guy was like drug dealing and, and like a plane crashed and uh, he was like drug tra- drug traffic in Kentucky and a bear. Found all this coke and ate all of it, and he was like, yeah. he ate like a pound of cocaine. It oh. was like, and then they found this bear, and they found he was like just raging <laughs> in coke in the forest, and he died within like twenty minutes. Yeah, but they taxidermy and he's like in a state hall or something. He's like the 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 craziest coke bear. There he is, Pablo Escobar, legendary bear cocaine it. bear of Kentucky. <laughs> But he died. He, he did the most coke of any animal of all time. Does bear. Uh,
0: does Nick Cage now own this bear?
1: I feel like he would buy the Oregon bear out of the museum. You probably probably take snort some of the bear's hair, probably. And get it um,
0: out. Dude, what about Sway Lee? I saw you had him on. I know he's from Tupelo as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sway Lee. Actually, my only show I ever did in Mississippi was in Tupelo. They used to do that. They used to do that Christmas
0: at the casino, uh, or now?
1: No, it was in a. It was in a. Um, it was in a like. There must be a a basketball arena for there's a university around there or something it was like 10,000 capacity maybe northwestern louisiana or something it was even. no it was, in, it was in tupelo it was like it was like a little a tiny arena there where they had must have country shows and things like that right. but I, we Road did a the show there stuff. and honestly bro that show gave me a lot of faith in mississippi because i mean i'm from mississippi um they're they're both from Tupelo, the, the brothers, and then you know, Elvis was born oh, and yeah. Tupelo. Oh, yeah. We
0: went to his childhood and, uh, home
1: on our last tour. We stopped over there. They, the home he was
0: born in. That's yeah, in Memphis, I think. They
1: they uh they the, the guys who sold him his first guitar came to my show. They have like another museum no there. And they, they ha- he used to buy hardware stores just used to sell musicians instruments back wow. in the 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 fifties, I guess. That's where you would buy. You didn't have a music shops. So you had to go to a hardware store and they had a guitar up there and they had a his hardware store came and mm. gave me like a bunch of memorabilia and stuff, but that crowd was like I mean, it was weird. It was segregated. Like there was the groups of kids from different high schools, but it was like the first time I think Mississippi ever had a show that was like equally white and half black. And, and, and like kids were just knew every lyric to every song, and you know, I'm, like, I'm glad they let me open because the kids didn't even know who the fuck I was. I was like up there DJing with them, but it was the the mayor came out and gave me the key to the city. Oh, that's awesome! And um, race members, I mean, those kids are amazing. They're like outcasts to me. Like they're they're also like a like I said, kids that don't. They don't have fucking rules. Like they grew up like probably listening to everything. And Sway's voice is amazing. We did a bunch of right. We did a record with uh, Ellie Goulding called Close to Me that went went, went yeah. platinum last year. Yeah, I heard that man.
0: Yeah, there we were right there. Yeah, that was in Tupelo actually. Yeah. So that was the home that yeah that Elvis was born and we just stopped there on the last tour. Man, yeah, I'm a big Elvis fan. Yeah, man, honestly. it's interesting. But then they also say that and I know we brought the guy up last time. Some of his tour, some of his songs were bought off of a black. Back then, I think a lot of times they were. I mean,
1: he was definitely ripped everything off of yeah. the black rockabilly. Uh, you know, like early rock artists. I'm not even sure what the genre was back then, but I mean, he was. He had like five thousand songs, like That's some crazy. crazy number in the beginning. I'm sure he had black songwriters. Yeah, he wrote had... some stuff at Sun Studios with like you know Johnny Cash. Even in um, what's the other guy I used to write Elvis's records? Uh, another another East Tennessee guy. Waylon West Jim. Guy. No. But I mean, he was. I mean, everybody knows the Elvis story. I mean, he was definitely uh no, it was it was in Sun Studios. There's a picture of Johnny Cash, Elvis, and uh, Carl Carl Perkins, and uh, there's like the four of these guys. It was just, like an amazing vibe in that studio. But um, you can say what you want. I mean, Johnny. I mean, uh, Elvis has a oh, he still look very. Uh, people loved him. Yeah, that, this picture's sick. Look at this guy. Million Dollar Quartet is uh, Carl Perkins, Johnny wow. Cash, Elvis, nice. and some other guy, writing.
0: And Elvis got them baby cheeks. Almost like yeah. he has butt skin on his face. He, he has a beautiful face.
1: He had a nice. Had this early looks like he had Botox back in Mississippi style. Jerry, Lee Jerry Lewis. Lewis. Jerry Lewis. Yeah, that guy was a freaking.
0: Bro, he's from Vidalia, Louisiana. He wouldn't. Dude. He
1: wouldn't that guy wouldn't have made it these days. Marrying a thirteen-year-old oh, yeah, sister. I, actually, of, in Hollywood, he still might have made it. No, he actually it ruined his career. He actually <laughs> it, he, it really? he went to Europe, and it just became like a. It was like an early like tabloid thing, and he couldn't really get past it. Wow. Um, it I saw of, him before. He, 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 he was and then he, he, Him and uh him and Richard Richard uh, Little Richard had this crazy fucking beef. Where they were like no they were like they, they were like they were like always like asking who can headline the shows, and I remember like it was always like they would play shows together. And it was like, who's who's the headliner? And um, at one point, either he or Richard just set the whole piano on fire yeah. <laughs> and, like, walked off stage like, because they opened for one of them. And then um, I think they became friends in the end. Like, in the 80s, they did a song together, but there was, like, a beef. That's gangster, thing. bro. Yeah, because they were both, like, these piano-rocking southern dudes. And then- Oh, yeah, man. He's from Faraday, Louisiana, actually, I think. Yeah.
0: I saw him about five years ago, actually, at his daughter sang a couple of the songs, but he would come out for, like, every other one. They would kind of wheel him out, you know?
1: piano on fire and played it. Show story. Jerry Lewis set piano on fire. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's like the good old days, man. When you do a show and you're so mad, probably fucking drunk as fuck, and you're, cunt, you're like, I don't know what kind of drugs you're doing, but then, <laughs> quaaludes or something. Yeah. You know, you you, see, you seen Walk Hard? That movie with uh, John C. Riley. Yeah. Uh uh-uh. uh. Oh my, you gotta watch it. It's one of the fucking best music documentaries of all. It's fake. But basically, John C. Riley does everything like invents country, invents like punk, invents like he just he's Brian Wilson in a while like the, in the Forrest gump of Yeah, Forrest Gump. But he's like he, they kind of do the Johnny Cash song, the Johnny Cash movie, Walk but, Hard or, or Walk Tall, Walk Tall, and they called it, it make fun of that? But John C. Riley does every genre and like is this crazy country guy and has like a hundred kids by the end of the movie. <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> does every drug? Yeah, by the end of the movie. Dude, in that in those days you were pulling up in town and somebody they literally somebody would just say, "Hey, these are drugs." And it would just be like almost. The movie's so funny cuz everybody's like he walks into the back room and his um what's that what's the black comedian that SNL guy was uh, in? Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows every time he walks in the backstage Tim Meadows is like smoking weed and he's like, "What are you doing?" Tim Meadows is like it's marijuana, man. You don't want to do this. Yeah, yeah. It make, what, he's like, what does it do? It makes you feel happy and it melds you out and you feel great. You don't want to do this. He's like, I think I want this marijuana. And he does that. And then the next like 10 years later, he's like, what are you doing? T-? And he's like, it's called cocaine. It's like, what does it do? He's like, I don't know, man. It's, you don't want this. It makes you feel great and excited. I'll try the cocaine. And he's like heroin. then like three years later, it's just like I mean, and it's not addictive at all. I mean, he looks like he looks like Jim Morrison in the picture. Look at that, but uh, oh, bro, you gotta watch this movie. It's my favorite movie of all time. Wow, dude, no I gotta watch it. I just watched Uncut Gems last night. That's dark, bro. It was good though. I wanted the guy to die so bad, man, because he just wanted the pain. This, yeah, he, he was he was an addict, and every there's in no every way, way, there's no way this is gonna end well. You just know, like, you, got, you want him to get back with his wife, then you but this. The side girl was hot and then you want him to win, but you know you're never gonna win and then Yeah, and then you want to win. And him then, a- then, he, then he does and then you're like, oh fuck, this came together, and then he dies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The last gem gets cut. <laughs> but the what's awesome about that movie, bro, is the fucking soundtrack is phenomenal. And I think it was um, a unique way to do a soundtrack. It yeah. wasn't
0: it was sound that I felt was, like this is my perception, it was sound that made me feel uncomfortable yes and it made me it, it was like sound that tried to get me just through small sounds yeah. and repetitive beats to get it's, me feel a
1: certain way one of my favorite musicians of all time is hans zimmer and i love blade runner and the new blade runner i loved even more and the soundtrack was so fucking amazing i love ambient music and i love that kind of like futuristic music and the guy who did the soundtrack i think his name is one oh point tricks this is ambient guy and he just the fact that the director went with that guy to make a movie and he just it's so it felt so wrong that when you when it's in the movie this the weird like sense, but then you just yeah it really puts you on edge on the on the right level for you to be uncomfortable watching that movie yeah, yeah um, I never felt
0: like that I never felt like what's I'm watching the movie, I'm enjoying it, but also something else is happening to me yeah
1: and what is it what is causing that and yeah, yeah. it was just the, it was the because soundtracks are really uh difficult to do and like to make because you have to watch the film and like put it in you know you got kind of get get closure with the whole film coming together with the sound and that guy he crushed it. I love that. I love that. I love the soundtrack more than the film, actually. When I want to listen back to it, have you been pushed to do soundtrack? Have you done it before? No, nah, but that made that movie made me want to do it Ooh, interesting. because I um during quarantine I haven't really worked on a lot of new music. Mm-hmm. I've been putting out this some of the country stuff and working on some house music, but I just don't don't first you don't want to do sessions because this isn't really you don't really want to get anybody uh you know sick or whatever. You don't want to get sick, but then. I don't feel like you can't really sit down during this weird time. It feels a little more like less heavy than it did in March and April now, even though it's technically worse, I guess, with some yeah. other cases. But yeah, the vibe is a little different now. It's yeah, not as. It doesn't uh, feel as an anxiety dr- attack feeling, you know? Like you don't feel like. You feel like there's some end. There's going to be ending right. in psych. Some, pe- feel like. some people are getting out of it. Like New York City, for instance, beat this thing, you know? So we can do it. Um, but in the beginning, I was like, I had like a lot of anxiety attacks. And I just felt like weird you don't want to like write a song about like a love song you don't want to feel you can't write a pop song during all that vibes the energy is not right so i was writing a lot of ambient music i was just like doing stuff with synths and making these records that are just like spacey and like no drums and i did a whole ep that i'm gonna drop at some point that i just made that's the only thing i've done during quarantine is like that kind of music just sound yeah sounds huh. and like kind of but you gotta it's like kind of classical music but with synths like i mean that's kind of what. Uh, neoclassical music and ambient music is it's like you you put chords together and you kind of build things up with like arpeggiators and then you like you know Brian Eno at all Mm-mm. you heard him he produced um, U2's Joshua Tree and he's like an ambient artist but he kind of combined these new ideas of sound with pop records back in the 80s and it's amazing I would consider him a composer Um, but it's like, yeah, it's like being a composer, I guess, doing this kind of music. I've just been that.
0: Do you get like a little bit jealous whenever you see somebody like do something like a
1: loophole or something or kind of like start to see the new thing? You're like, oh, yeah. I mean, that's how you work on music. i have just been, I'm a producer, uh, more than an artist. You know, I think with this, with the country album, it's the first time I've done like a full artist record on a major label. But before that, I've always just been like. Beyonce wants a record, Usher wants a record, you know, a rock band wants a record, or I work in the studio with different writers and propose ideas and I come up with concepts. That's what a producer does. You kind of like you work with the an artist and you think, like even with Riff Raff, you're like, how can I make what I like about this guy? How can I make the best version of him? Mm. That's what you do with anybody. Maybe it's Madonna, maybe it's uh Adele, whatever it is, you know, you aim for the biggest records and big artists. Then you work with someone like Riff Raff because you're just like, this is fucking awesome. Like this is something really cool and I love what he does. Or Sway Lee and you, you know, you can find new artists too. But as a producer, your job is to create concepts and, you know, maybe not even writing the piano. Like you can be like Rick Rubin and just sit back and just like fine tune that idea with, the chili peppers are. But is it
0: hard to figure out, though, like I, I, sometimes I find even for myself from doing comedy and doing po- just different types of things within the world, yeah. is it hard to figure out what what some of your real strong suits were and then to focus on those even if those went against like – Yeah. Like sometimes somebody, you know – I mean er, – People want to be the star sometimes, but then you're like, oh, man, but I'm so good at this. But yeah. that,
1: that, this weird idea of a star always – I've never been really good at anything, even playing music. I mean, I've always been like, like I said, I would come up with like weird. I find the the, the loopholes where the, no one was doing stuff. Like Major Laser started because like no one was making this like reggae and dancehall music, you know. And I had done stuff with this girl in Mia, who was like my girlfriend at the time. We made amazing records. Oh damn, dude! And then I went to Mia. This is just because it's full circle, really quick. I the I
0: saw John C. Riley at an Mia concert. In New Orleans, at the it was it started at like- At the House of Blues? No, this was in like a warehouse or something. It, st- it was like 4 a.m. it started, but
1: so anyway. Me, it's the only C. time Riley. I've ever yeah. seen John I wonder if I, was, yeah. if I was there because I DJed for a lot of her shows back in the, those days, but we did this fusion. She was an artist that really put me on to like how far you can go with just ideas, and she had these ideas, and she fucking crushed it, and I I learned a lot from her, and I think we started like this major laser thing because I was like, no one's doing this, and we could do it in a different way, like dance hall records and reggae because no one's doing it, it took a while, we made some big records, and and then it grew, it was, but it was something no one was doing. Yeah. And then back then, no one was even streaming music. You know, we had we we worked really hard in the streaming services because a lot of the majors were not really pushing streaming, they were still fighting to sell physical copies, and I did it all independently, we did it on our own. And um, I learned a lot from there, but I think you find little projects like that people don't do, and sometimes you take risks, and they don't work. Like I, my first album I produced was a band called um, Rolo Tomasi, and it was a fully metal math rock band. I didn't know what I was doing, but I just did it because I got it. That was my first job. And then the next day I was working with Bruno Mars. And we Damn. were doing like, he was a songwriter back then. When I first moved to LA, I just did whatever jobs I had. You just make your way up to where you could hopefully place a big record with somebody and you to learn a lot. Like, I learned everything from coming to LA and leaving behind the idea of being an artist and being like a, a producer in the game here. And then, and then as I got better at that, I like, kind of got sick of that. Like, I don't want to write records with other people. Right. And I started doing my own little projects and then. And just being creative. Yeah, because I mean, you know, doing a project, writing the music is, for me, I think it's like 20% of the project. The other 80% is coming up with the concept and the marketing and like what it is, video things. Like you think about the name of the, the style, the way you're going to address this project. You kind of come up with these, you create the artists. And that's, that's 80% of what artists are nowadays, huh. for, in my opinion. You have to come up with, with like a, a real brand, right? You know? And that's what people get first. And the music comes secondly. Like, when you see someone like this fascinating, you're like, oh, what is this? And you dig into it, and you're like, oh, the music's Riff all right. is a great example. Yeah, he's all brand. I mean, he was just like, his music's great too, but it's, it's all brand. But another, like, marshmallow, another guy, you know, like, uh, he's a DJ, and I think, you oh, know, yeah. he's, yeah, he's that, he might be like 90% brand, because he's just like, the concept is so strong, what he does, it's so easy to identify with. And um, then he puts out quality music as well. Like, he's a pop artist, but I mean, he, no other DJ could do that, because they're just another guy. Yeah, He's a marshmallow, so it's like, right kids can gravitate to that really easy and i think what he did is a a great marketing campaign from the from the jump his manager and him really crushed that yeah him and kane brown have that great uh yeah they got country record that great song yeah um you know i I had that record originally he sent it to me (laughs) i was like i actually was like texting kane i was like man it was like me and marshall fighting for that record actually in the beginning because it was going to be something for my project and then um i lost the battle oh it's whatever. Kane Brown, you still owe me a record, bro. Where there are you? There you at? go.
0: There you go, <laughs> so, Kane know. Brown, man. I love Kane Brown. Yeah. Um, you know, New Orleans, when I was growing up, the the a lot of the artists that were there were like the big timers and uh you know uh little. Did, did
1: you watch that hip-hop uh, evolution, the New Orleans episode? Uh-uh. Oh, I need to great. See this
0: whole I'm gonna re-watch this whole episode and write down all the things I the, need. The to one go in New Orleans
1: starts out. with like Master P and I mean New Orleans for me, bro, it's the I first of all I think Memphis in has the longest uh cultural significance in hip-hop right people can argue me but like when you think about what music sounds like now hip-hop it all comes back to this memphis sound like this aggressive this dark and the trap beats and like it's just lasted forever and it was a small flash the pan with three six and like eight ball and mjg were doing it and then new orleans was like the same kind of sound they had this like electronic drum sound they like they loved electro they loved like many freshers making you know like these kind of like 808 sounds and they mixed it with the second line jazz and then big timers and then Master P came up with the idea of independent label, and he fucking crushed it. And then uh, Cash Money came out, and then and they had this amazing bounce music, which I love so much. Well, and that's what I was going to get to: is yeah. the bounce scene
0: because, uh, yeah, like Big Frida, like some of the artists, she's yeah. the most popular. But the bounce scene there has, has been probably the biggest thing that's come out of New Orleans War it it in a while, left.
1: and it's, it's the same. Right, you know, Frida. Uh, I was I worked <clears> with this, um, I worked with a couple bounce artists. There's Flyboy Kino. There's Sissy Nobi, and it's it's very gay. It's crazy. People don't yeah. realize how gay the hip-hop scene in New Orleans is. Um, a lot of the rappers and the labels, you know, you talk to, like, uh, Mystical or, like... Um, I love Mystical, man. These I guys the car wash once. I was, with, uh, I was with Mystical in the studio. No. And uh, after we got out of jail, and I had just done this record called Express Yourself with um, Nikki the B, who was another gay bounce artist from New Orleans. And um, it's, like, my fusion of, like, dance music and New Orleans bounce back then. And I remember playing it for Mystical in the studio, and I was like, man... Can you jump on this? It was super gay. And the video was gay too, and I was like, "Can you jump on this record?" And you know, Mystical said to me, he was like, bro, that's hard. And that's actually New Orleans music." And he knew that's like that's actually the scene. He wasn't like uh, homophobic or anything, but he's like, "Man, I just can't come out of jail and do a like this record right now. You know, I can't, be <laughs> like, I can't really like do a verse on a on a gay bounce record." But um, he was like, "I'll
0: be right back in jail." <laughs> he's like a whole group of he was friends. He's like, but but
1: at the same time, he had respect and like knew that mm-hmm. that's like real New Orleans music. Because if you you don't realize like even the you know, Big Freedia's in that record with with uh, with, with Drake that came out last year. I don't even know that. The because Drake's last album had a lot of bounce influences, a lot of New Orleans records on it. But there's not, there hasn't been a that there hasn't
0: been a strong hip hop's been the only or bounce has been the only real music to come out of that area. Kind of, I feel like there's that it's one interesting rock band in the eye. '90s. Oh, you mean uh, th- third
1: uh, third eye bl- three doors no, down? Something like that. I used their studio when I worked on music with them.
0: Oh, I know who you're talking about. They're nice guys too. Yeah, um, that's the only other thing I know from New Orleans really. I remember running through the wet grass, falling a step behind.
1: I think. And there's another There's a jam band for New Orleans too, but I forget.
0: Uh,
1: Best. (laughs) Fucking. Also, the Meters, bro.
0: You know them? Oh, dude! One of them owns a freaking
1: restaurant where I where I take my stepdad all the time. And and... I mean, if you can, if you want to learn, for me, Meters Mm -hmm. is funk and country completely matched you might just think they're funk but they're mm-hmm. like country bro and they're instrumental like meters are like one of my, they're like one of my biggest influences of all time like they're so dope like a new orleans funk is just like if you want to learn about music new orleans is the birth of all all american music in my opinion wow like everything comes from new orleans mm-hmm. you know from the history of like it's a perfect combination of african music uh and european oh, that's music them, and
0: go back what was that? right. no that's not them or band three
1: either. doors it's
0: not three doors it's, it's something third like eye blind dog something <clears throat> it's
1: got one, it's like a one word name oh we might be thinking Just name look, a, look at indie band new orleans maybe indie band indie rock new orleans but there hasn't been. do you think there's a reason why there
0: hasn't been a strong hip-hop artist that's come out of there in a while i mean you think there would be so
1: uh well there's like there's is it nba young boy from baton rouge is mm, that his name is I'm that not sure he might be the biggest. Oh, there's also there's Kevin Gates. Gates. Yeah, NBA Young Boys from is he from Baton Rouge? I mean, he's like one of the biggest, born like lo, lo, low key. Yeah, yeah, Baton Rouge. He like low key. He's one of the biggest figures in hip hop. And I don't even know one NBA Young Boys song, but like he just every girl knows him, and knows his music. He just is yeah, always. People love
0: him. And Boosie, but he he lives Boosie, in Atlanta yeah, now. Yeah,
1: Boosie is that guy just came out of jail like he was like. He missed all technology and then just wow, came. No. <laughs> wasn't it so great? He and he
0: denied it. I asked him because he came in. I asked him. I said, "Do you think that because you were in jail, you missed kind of like the evolution of technology? So you came into Instagram and were just way too real." on He it. was so but real. He, doesn't I mean, get, he
1: didn't. It didn't register for him. But I thought
0: that's exactly cause, what I cause thought
1: because I, I heard a story that he got out and his like friends gave him an iPhone. He's like, "What is this?" Like he was like, it was "Like literally came out of jail." And like went from it was he missed the 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 clutch parts of technology yeah, and yeah, hip hop yeah, and yeah, totally. just came back like insane like. He's a legend though. Anybody, you come back to him. A lot of people are like if you do like that dirty hip hop, he he's the guy. And yeah. that's I don't know much about Baton Rouge. I know mean, I only went there once. To I um, actually went to Lil Boosie. I did a uh, I was in Baton Rouge for like my birthday. I had nothing going. on. I was in New Orleans for my birthday when I like turned like twenty four. I just went by myself to like read and just I love Louisiana. Just like go to bars and stuff. And I had a friend there, and we went to see Boosie did a concert at a mall in Baton Rouge. Damn. And I went and saw him before he went to jail. And that's the only time I've been in Baton Rouge was to go see Boosie at a mall. Awesome.
0: So. Man, we had so much fun. I fucking fun. love him.
1: Dude, when he left, it was one of the
0: first times I ever felt like, man, I wish he was still here. <laughs> like, he, I'd be scared as fuck to hang out with him. Well, here's, but here's, <laughs> I would have not even like. I should have told you before <laughs> he came in, bro. I would, he, I would just, I'd be so scared. Glenn Davis was on. He's a basketball player, big baby. He played for the Celtics. And he yeah. came on. He's like, now Boos he, a he, real gangster, man.
1: Yeah. He said he's one of the last big baby play. He played for the Clippers for a while. Yeah, and he played for Florida University, of Florida. Oh, he played at LSU. LSU. Yeah, there's another guy, Demetrius. Demetrius was another big giant center, like fat basketball player it was called Demit Hook remember uh, him oh yeah uh, oh, I forget his name it was yeah, like, who was that guy because Big Baby was a, was not he didn't look athletic but he was a clipper uh, we loved him he, when he scored points we were just the crowd went crazy for people him people love him well he's extremely lovable he has such a yeah. good uh, he does not look like a basketball player honestly no, but he, he's he
0: 75% heart you know Dimitri Hill is <laughs> Dimitri Meat Hill Hulk.
1: he was big too I remember watching him play
0: but he loves being he lives in Las Vegas now he loves being actually he just hit me up after Dustin Poirier won that fight and they ended up connecting man
1: oh there you go yeah. no
0: that's is that the meat
1: hook? Is that Dead Demetrius? He played for g- Gators. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, that's him. He was a big boy.
0: Dang, it's always fun when you see them big boys yeah. do it, huh? It's always fun, man. Do Shaq know? was
1: big too, but he he ended up he wasn't really that muscle. He was he's he, but he's built like a big giant human being. Because a lot college, of the centers are not like that.
0: Not well, it's, yeah. They really don't have that center position anymore. Shaq in college, where you get, throw up a picture <clears throat> of Shaq
1: at LSU. He was lean at yeah. LSU, man.
0: He was long. I mean, and
1: lean. Who, uh, who's that uh, Lakers player? that's just like cut. I don't think he plays with Lakers anymore. Maybe Rockets.
0: Uh, Uh, Dwight Howard. He's just like the first like
1: buff basketball player. He's a model. I feel like I always felt like he's more of a model. Hey look at the little baby Shaq. You look at young Shaq. Man I DJ with Shaq sometimes. He's like Really? Yeah he's I played his podcast this week and he did like a stream and he just this guy is fucking dedicated to DJing bro and he fucking loves it. He's a dubstep DJ and he's most aggressive DJ I've ever seen in my life. He just goes (laughs) dances and it before quarantine, every show he did, he would just go out in the audience and hang out with everybody in the audience and he just could see him. He's like towers over everybody, but he's just like... What is it you think that he that he, that he just, he just, he really loves doing it or he loves the vibe it creates? Have you ever have you heard of him, ever, heard, ever uh-uh. talk to him? Because he's just happiness, bro. He just loves, he just found a lot of like contentment and like happiness after the game. I think he became, you know, he's on, a sports commentator oh, yeah, and yeah, just, too, yeah. he's just smart and awesome. Look at this guy. Bro, the crowd He's just, <laughs> I love it. That's so crazy. Outside lands. Like he is one of the most aggressive DJs ever. Look at him. He can't even fit in the wow. booth. Wow. Dude, so that's what it looks like when you're in there, huh? Yeah, I don't look like that, but it, it looks.
0: Well, yeah, you look small. <laughs> like, you're I'm, smaller. I'm tiny yeah, in there. Yeah. But... Um, does it almost feel like sometimes like, like I notice on stage if I'm doing stand-up, I, I can feel a crowd. I can feel what's going on it's yeah. almost like at some points it took a long time but i feel like it's like I'm that's a, when you get in the pocket like when i'm you, an orchestra you, yeah like when
1: I'm, and when you're good too at that point you can just like you said like then you just flow right and yeah, yeah just feel right that yeah yeah well i can
0: there's a con but there's an energy connection there's a in the beginning it's this nervous other energy where yeah. it's like i'm trying to make sure i'm doing my job yeah and then later it becomes this energy where it's like oh i'm i'm orchestrating the, the feeling of this environment. Yeah, does it? What is that? What is that feeling like when you
1: guys are doing your job? I think when you DJ, it's always it's it's even more than stand up. You have to really feel the rhythm of the crowd. I even pick the records you're playing. I mean, I'm a more of a I'm more of an open format DJ, so I can I kind of do whatever. I, I kind of improvise. A lot of people just go to their concerts and they kind of the set list. Set list. You know, right. and I, I do that when I'm headlining somewhere because I have to program my lights. Um, but. Mostly, I'm in Vegas. I'm like doing three hours. I'm just like looking at the crowd and playing records I want to play, and then going where I trying to go there. Like you know, with the jokes, maybe you go, maybe it's not funny, but you want to push all something right, okay, right. yeah. even, even with controversy, which is probably hard, really hard for, for comedians. I mean, you've about walk the line now, but you want to go as controversial, then you pull back, whatever. So I think with with me as, as a DJ, you still you want to like sneak things in and like okay, that's what from. that's what that's what DJs that's what we've always been. We've always been the people to push the b- boundaries. We're the we're the we're the we're the, we're the the purest form of the distribution chain. Like music happens and we're the ones that give it to people in the nightclub or somewhere where they can feel the music for real. Like Because right. you can't really feel it in your car on the radio. You might get pop records, but we, we make dance music and hip hop to where we are. Our job is to is to push it as far as we can to be the best DJs.
0: Well, it's interesting. Yeah, it makes me think almost like if I'm in a supermarket, you got the area where everything's like in the boxes and it's all yeah. boxed and packaged perfectly for you. Then you got that produce area. And that's and wild, a that's Wild yeah. West. You, you know. might find an orange in a fucking cucumber <laughs> yeah. area.
1: You that's know? the real food. Yeah. Yeah but you know I grew up my sister I remember going to eat at her house like when I was back in town and she only eats canned vegetables because we grew up like that, and mm-hmm. she has oh. it's. And I don't. It's always like the Publix cans or like, fucking like uh, what's the other shitty ass Albertsons or Piggly Wiggly, and she just has never been to the produce section. Wow. She does not know what it is. She don't. She didn't know what a green bean looks like. It was like <laughs> yeah. unless, it's open, unless it's wet <laughs> in a fucking c- can.
0: Unless it looks like it's been <laughs> yeah. through. It looks like it's been in Guantanamo I saw a Guantanamo bean yeah. in a
1: real one. And she's like, <laughs> what is that thing? And I was like, she's like, green beans look like this, and I'm like, okay. My family we just only ate cat of cans. I don't know what and my mom Well, I think it was just that time period too. Yeah, it was a, and I think it produced, isn't it yeah, you know what? Produce section didn't really exist in like the eighties. I mean, you might get some app bag of apples or whatever. A bag of apples. You weren't yes. gonna select your own apples. No. Just, that's no. Yeah, 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 The government's gonna select those apples yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
0: Yeah, man, those apples, dude. Yeah, those apples knew each other before they got yeah, yeah. here. You know, I'll be damned if you're gonna feel. You're not them. gonna. You're yeah, not gonna. Yeah. Sl- no, no, back the fuck away from those apples.
1: Here's your bag, motherfucker. <laughs> damn dude, that's so I just, true. As, as, as an adult growing cropping, I'm like, I always go to produce and like buying shit. But when I was younger, you never. Mom didn't let you go over there. Yeah, it was. That's different. for the liberals, sir. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the Democrats <laughs> <that> go shopping <laughs> for the for the produce section. What's that man over there
0: feeling on that cat? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Doesn't he? Why doesn't he have a wife? Nobody needs to pick their own pineapple. That's <laughs> the government does
0: that for you. <laughs> Let's get a question right here. All right, what's this guy talking about? Oh, he's driving. Oh, you can call me late night, and not I got something night going on in the background. You know you
1: can't call me anything. Is, is he singing the demo? <laughs> <laughs> Got <a> good voice. <laughs> that good. Yeah. We, we should that that. Guy. that would have been a great idea. Sounds like shaman Mendez. Let's go. Now you're
0: remixing podcast. What podcasts. Up What up,
1: Diplo? Hope you guys are doing great. Hey, real quick, Theo. I'm sporting my wildcat hitter. Bear down, baby. Bear down? Uh, Diplo, I just had a question for you. Um, would you ever consider doing a fresh banger? With our boy
0: Takashi six nine, now that he's out of uh, out of jail and all, um, I know Theo would
1: love that. I so uh, am yeah, a Get huge six nine fan, honestly.
0: His music, bro. He puts the music out, and I wait for it. I'm, I even show up at the time yeah, he tells me to be. I, there on Yeah, if, he,
1: if, he, if he's having a, a li- Instagram live, I gotta stop the car and watch <laughs> it. I mean, honestly, he's the first. Just the fact that he broke down. I mean, I just love him just for being just the fucking biggest. Punk ass, there is. Like, oh, It's yeah. like, I'd love all that. And I love that hip hop had this, like, kind of, it's kind of boring now. Like, it's kind of like, there's the older guys, they don't go away, and they kind of like talk about the same shit. And, and I they're think, beef and bullshit. Yeah. And, he, and he, they're all bullshit beef, and he's actually just fuck you. Yeah. And fuck you. Here's your, here's, here's a picture of you being a bitch. And like, yeah. he's not scared of anybody. And I just love that he just, Kind of deconstructed hip hop in a way. And people are like, no one can kill him. It's like impossible. I don't know. He came and bothered the guy. And I just. Yeah, think, how can you not
0: kill him? He's wearing the brightest colored yeah. shit in the <laughs>
1: whole world. And he just has all these like, he, he always like about, I'm a rainbow hair guy. And you, what the fuck? Why are you mad at me? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just love that he, any, he, any, he, and he didn't have the number one with that, with this, with the first single out of jail. And then he um, learned how to do it. And he did the, you know, tie it in with the sales of the clothes and the physical. And just, it's all a big fucking hack at this point. And he just yeah. hacked it. And he like, he learned from it and got the number one. And everybody, fuck everybody I love the actual fuck you the everybody that he did and he came and did it yeah so I love him and I would I'd love to work with him I know his, I know him um, his his uh, his label head really well we worked on ideas back before he went to jail and um, I haven't connected with him since then but uh, I'm also not really doing hip hop right now but I would do something with him just cause I love him as an artist yeah and it's controversial people probably like something me that that sucks but I just I fucking fuck with him hard yeah
0: yeah no I feel you man I do too dude I'm like and I love how there's all these haters that he's against. It's almost yeah. like this invisible world, you know, that he's created in his. It's head. real renegade, though. But I they, think it yeah. is. Well, even when you said deconstructed, I'd, not, I'd always heard people say I'm gonna deconstruct something, but I never kind of knew what they were talking
1: about. Yeah. But just now, when you said that, it it. There, yeah, because hip hop has these sense. sort of like you think about these these rules and these little things and he just kind of like embarrassed everybody yeah. to like kind of like people had a, people actually don't beef with him. They're scared of him now because like, what
0: the fuck y'all doing? Man? <laughs> yeah. I'm you on house arrest.
1: You can't win because he'll just do whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't. There's no rules for him you know yeah, it, dude. It isn't, he's
0: got <laughs> yeah. and then he gets Nicki Minaj which is crazy because yeah. they're always fighting over who's Nicki Minaj's boyfriend yeah
1: but she she was with him on the, um, the record Fifi back in the day I think she just also loves his she's very controversial too you know she'll say whatever the fuck she wants and um, I got a record coming out with her really in Major Lazer this month and I love her and I honestly I worked with her a couple times um, and she is a fucking hard worker bro is she really yeah i was she, never i've never really been a fan she as a rapper lyrically i mean she's like no one's no one can touch her i feel like and then at the same time like i we did the song together and she went back and forth like i'm just like small song you know maybe it'll be big she like liked the record and she did it for me and she likes me i think um but she just went back in the studio like four times to cut it i didn't even ask her to she's like i want to change this part i want to change this part and oh, she wow. went like a bunch of times asked me my My advice on it and... um, A real pro. She's a real collaborator and she does it. Like her and Madonna are two women that were just like... They work harder than me. And that's hard. I feel like I work pretty hard. So they both like... It sounds like Can't. you do, man.
0: I wish that they could take your brain whenever you pass and just splice it into like man, it's, literally do, hallways yeah. of a
1: library where people could walk through and see what you... There might be some stuff in there, man. I don't know if you want to open that up, man. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we'll, have a, we'll have a special area. <laughs> yeah, you might, might, might need to define where you can...
0: Some what of them got to be blocked off. Those double doors. Remember at the, back in the day, they used to have a video store and they would have the double
1: doors where the Oh, porn- the porno, pornography yeah. Was? I would sneak in there all the yeah, time. me too. Growing up in Florida, like I would go to my grandma's house. My parents would just drop me off. They're like, fuck, they couldn't afford a summer camp or nothing. And I had nothing to do They would just drive me Four hours to New Smyrna This little small town Drop me grandma's And I could only walk In my little sand We don't have dirt roads In Florida We had sand roads Wow And I would walk Fucking mile to the video store My grandma would give me Like five dollars I would just rent Every WWF video <laughs> there were, I watched every Wrestlemania Because I never paid For the pay-per-views I watched like The last five years I, would just, I watched like One summer I watched Like 500 wrestling contests And in every kung fu movie There was I just Then I found the porn area Oh yeah Couldn't rent those But I would go I'd go, I'd go back read there the boxes, i go right i go see those boxes dude, I'd oh, yeah i read the boxes with my dick out <laughs> can you, can you i mean just the awkwardness of like going to the and then rent, going to been and been then renting rent. them and then stand in front of somebody and have like a stack of like these yeah.
0: dirty pornos like but dude there's almost more of a respect there there's a yeah. line in the sand where you're like okay am i, mean, I doing this or not do there, i mean this or not yeah. now it's too easy access there's oh yeah no,
1: like you can be it's too much privacy back in the you're you're a fucking pervert we're gonna see yeah who, who's a perfect person or you can stand know. outside there's always a, a sex shop too that has like the pornos and like in philly there's like this one little area they probably cleaned it up since i was living there but there was like one little area where they had like the shops where you would just go and you can just jerk off and like watch a girl behind a glass and they would do oh, things damn. there's like this like shops and then you go and there's video stores and <laughs> no. there's still those i mean new york had that shit too i don't the that. idea of the sex the sex shops doesn't even like I've i guess it in it's in not Amsterdam. a thing anymore not full-on hookers i'm talking about like this area in Philly were just like I can see a
0: real woman through glass. Yeah, yeah, I did that in once in Amsterdam. I've never seen that anywhere else though. And Wait. she would
1: just do a thing. You know, it's kind of like what a, I guess what a a chat. Uh, what's it called now? The cam girl would do. Yeah, in real. But they're, the the ones over there in Philly
0: were probably pretty. Dude, I pretty remember rough. this. Now you make me think of it. This one time I was in uh, Amsterdam, and so they had a thing. You go in this little cage, kind of, and everybody's glass opens up. And uh they there's a wheel there's like a lazy susan in there and it has people and there's like a man and a woman having yeah. sex and everybody's then you can see everybody's face. oh you see everybody else I that thought that are,
1: it wouldn't would be a mirror to see
0: I, that's awkward no, that's that's the awkward <laughs> that's part. awkward you the mirror goes up everybody guy's already like jerking yeah, you're oh, like yeah, you oh, all right it, it was weird so you realize you got you got to look right at the couple yeah. you can't be straying <laughs> visually. And then the crazy part was everybody else's slides went down after they were done, after yeah. the 15 minutes or whatever. Mine didn't go down or something, <laughs> so I had another oh, no, crazy part was <laughs> watching the couple who were now dizzy from the thing spinning help each other out, off right. of the thing. Yeah. It's
1: like when you when your kid on the, one of the, the little uh, bear, little fairs with the park, and you'd let your kid walk away, and he just <laughs> yeah, he stumbles, he's kind of drunk. It's always it's a like fun... Like one of his ears, weighs 40 yeah. pounds.
0: Um. Do you know you've done so much with music over the years, and so, especially so much, for, I think, with diverse. Let's get a question right here. This guy actually looks diverse. Let's get him in. Here.
1: <laughs> All right, what up, Kev? Here from Toronto, Diplo. Where'd you rather party, Trinidad or Jamaica? Soca oh, or dancehall? That's a tough one. What's it gonna be? Um, okay. I'm gonna say Trinidad. He's probably Trinity. Looks like he's from Toronto. Has a big like Trinity diaspora. But I just had a baby in Trinidad, uh, with my ex girlfriend and um well she's like my you know, she's an awesome girl. And I haven't seen the baby because I I was gonna go there in March for a show and stay there for a month and then I've been we try have a travel ban, I have to quarantine in Trinidad. Wow. And um so I would go to Trinidad. I have to, I need to go there as soon as possible, but the city itself, uh Port of Spain, Trinidad's like people don't know this, but it's kinda like this kind of probably one of the wealthiest Caribbean countries has good surf, has this amazing music culture, but it has this crazy mashup of like, you know, European, African, and Indian, just kind of all like living there and working in this crazy music scene. Of course, Soka, they have reggae dance hall. We used to do parties there. Major Lazer had a show there every December and it was at this water park. And it was like the craziest show we'd have, like people on shoulders, like water flowing everywhere, like crowd doing all the different dances together. And I mean, trinidad it was just legendary and i miss going there to do shows but um if you get a chance check out trinidad man good place, for, huh? for carnival i think it's like in the end of february same time right right before mardi gras so you can actually i did a tour last year where i did i did i did um or two years ago i did i did carnival in brazil uh had a sh- mm. had a show in Tr- i went to trinidad to see the see the carnival i didn't have to do a show there and then we went straight to mardi gras and did all the, the 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 circuit basically because it's all around the same right, holiday. Right. So what was that vibe like? Was there like Obviously they must have differed from each oh, other. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. The 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 carnival in in Brazil is just like the Super Bowl. Right. I mean, there's like a samba drum. They have their own stadium just for the carnival floats, and it's just the music is insane. It's like the whole country parties at once. It's just so sexualized and beautiful at the same time. Everybody's so fucking happy. And then um, Mardi Gras in, in, in New Orleans just like just fucking trash, like in the next level, fucking. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but we had this really Is awesome it a total party. drop
0: off from one of no, the. But other? I
1: love it so much because I love. I actually went to see some of the floats at, at the at Mardi Gras for the first time because I've been there for parties, and I was like, "Damn, these floats are awesome!" Like yeah, all the beautiful. different, yeah, they're really cool. It was such Artistic. a lower level, but I'm like, you see, like the black community floats and like the second line. They say like the white people doing like the things, and they just it's it's like the one thing everybody's kind of is together on, yeah. the, on the side of the roads and seeing everything. And I played a party with a good friends of mine band called arcade fire. You know, those guys when um, yeah. Butler is the, the lead band guy and he's, he's also a basketball player and he has a party there called C- carnival crew. And it was amazing. It was like drag Queens. And like, we had, um, uh, Choppa played with me. And yeah. it was like, um, he DJed in his like a Haitian band playing Haitian oh, yeah. music and it was like just like this really like multi-cult it was like amazing party and um, just like the most inclusive party you could you could have in New Orleans like
0: there's a lot of that there
1: that's what that's, that place is kind of anything that's why I'm saying like the bouncing is, is gay um, the city itself is so DIY like kids go there like punk kids there's a lot of punk bands like in New Orleans and like punk kids they go there and they, they get a warehouse space and they have a little commune and they build they make their own little restaurants or whatever and it's like you don't have it might sound fucked up but I think Katrina might have done the most work to preserve the culture of of New Orleans because right before Katrina happened, it really felt like New Orleans was was destined to be this big destination and like people were buying property and hotels were coming in there, restaurants, and the Katrina just wiped out all the investment, oh, like in a way, and people left. There was like like four hundred thousand people in before Katrina and only like two hundred thousand left. Yeah, and it, and the city had to start over again. But what didn't stop? What didn't stop was that all that cultural movement didn't really end and it just got bigger and more it's isolated you know and you right. need the isolation kind of to build sometimes and I think I just think New Orleans for me is is like the my favorite place in the world to go wow. all over the world just because it's a spontaneous and crazy and, and you don't know what's gonna happen and yeah. I love that I love that well you know it's so interesting
0: you talk you you, you talk about the the investment side of it it's funny like you know something really unique and special can start somewhere um be it a festival be it like a vibe anything but then eventually money comes in because yeah. they want to own stuff in the area they want to make it bigger yeah. and then it kind of like it it weakens stuff over time 100%. you know but it's I'm so funny because it. if you but if you didn't have money in the area but then it's it's funny because it's like we want money in areas to yeah. help to help yeah. but then it's from no money yeah. that usually Really beautiful yeah, things can come from. Art, art comes from, like, you know, desperation a lot of times. So it's so funny to just have that dichotomy. It's like, yeah. you, but like, when I was young, man, I'd have given anything to be able to, for us to have some money for my mother not to work yeah. for, you know, to just have a little bit of time where we could have, I don't know, just felt like not ashamed of who I was or yeah. something, you know, just, I don't know, you know, what, we, we I wish we'd have had some money, a little more comfort. Yeah. But then it's like,
1: but what, you, had to, what, work, what, you my, had to work harder to do what you do. You right. Same thing for me. Like, I moved to Philly. Uh, to go to university, and I had like nothing there. You go to like, Temple? Where'd you go I went to, to Temple? Yeah, you did?
0: dude. Temple's fucking wild. If you get up yeah. there on is that Front Street? What is that? Street? <laughs> My parents went <laughs> to visit oh, me. Yeah. My
1: parents went <laughs> to visit me. It's on uh, C- a fucking bird market in Cecil B Moore. It's somebody
0: trained a crow to drop off fucking cocaine for him up <laughs> there. Yeah, oh,
1: yeah. The drug they, they they run they run they run drugs on birds up there. Actually, people would
0: park in the middle <laughs> of the fucking street and go do what they need. But if you just there. go,
1: if you just go, Temple is like a little bubble of like you know university. But any outside of that area, North Philadelphia, it just looks like apocalypse now like it's burned out buildings Damn. and like it's just it's fucking street by street just crazy ghetto from like uh from Cecil B more all the way to like 40 blocks up um kind of endless like and it's it's i worked up there when i went to temple i, I ended up graduating or i didn't even graduate I, I got out my fourth year i, I left because it's like fuck this fuck school and i got a job as a social worker and i worked up in these high schools up there wow like, and um been pretty gangster huh it was fucked up man i mean like back to the drugs we were talking about um I was, we weren't talking about drugs but i was talking about it with yeah, well,
0: i'm always talking about it <laughs> in the back of my head but uh yeah. the kids
1: the kids i was working with were just so geeked up on ritalin like they weren't even they didn't even one of the kids couldn't even read when my <laughs> yeah, kids and, yeah. they, and they, they didn't care it wasn't like let's teach the kid to read. It's like give him ritalin so he doesn't bother any other kids <laughs> in school it was like fucked up and these kids were just like building these the government was actually building these drug addictions for these kids from like 10 years old already Damn. and that's how you put that's how you this just there was no there was no there's no idea to fix this fucking place they lived at and like help with their parents who were you know dealing crack on the side there's never like how do we fix the situation the kid lives in it's like just, tr- just give him some drugs so we can move on yeah that was like the way that the government in the city dealt with it and i did that for a little while and i just fucking quit and um wow but honestly i learned a lot from that was my hardest job i ever had was doing that doing that, it was called TSS, it was like therapeutic staff support. I went to schools with the kids and like helped, like wrote notes about the kids and helped them with whatever he needed and stuff like that, like one-on-one with a, with a kid for a few weeks. And um, it was rough to see like that, That I was like literally shadowing this kid every day, helping Damn. him and doing reports on what he was doing.
0: You know, it's funny, I, I remember growing up like, one of the hardest things was like, uh, just the amount of poverty that there really is in a lot of the black community, you know? Yeah. Um, and in, in the white community
1: too, it's just a little bit different. I feel like, but, um, I mean, but there's, there's so much poverty in, in America still, yeah. like, and it's going to get worse and worse for what we have right now. I mean, just living in LA, you see the homeless situation, how insane oh, it's that growing. is. And to see when you move here for the first time, I actually used to take people to Skid Roaders to be like, who are from Europe. I'm like, have you ever seen this? Something like this? Cause it's like block by block. And it's like a little community there. And, um, you know, a lot of people that are homeless in in California are like have mental health problems where they have they actually can't exist in a normal way. And they have right. that's like the last resort for them to survive, is let be homeless. But I've noticed during this pandemic, there's a there's a little I live in Hollywood, but there's like one overpass and it just keeps growing. Small little community there and the people are younger and younger. Wow. And they're not even like um maybe they have mental health problems, but their kids are like they're well put together. They have like some of this girls like a punk rock girl, it was like every day she's up at like seven putting her mohawk in, but she just lives in this tent because she, had, you know, when it was a stay at home water, she had nowhere to go. Right, I probably lived with the parents or whatever, and Man. I had to leave. So I think a lot of kids, we're seeing a lot more of this poverty situation happening with young people that never happened before, and I think that's not being addressed. And LA is just it's a fucking lot of homeless going on here, and I think it's a and lot. There's of, a lot of money here too, which is shocking. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting.
0: I mean, even hearing you say about when you were doing the TSS stuff, and and that water bottle might be uneven on the bottom of it. I saw in the fall. Yeah. This
1: has got a. You well, took the. Oh, I know you took the lap labels
0: off. I don't know why we did actually Get that either. Poland Spring sponsorship. I think because it was. Poor, I think because we were giving out poor water.
1: We're going to do Dasani from now on. We'll <laughs> like. Dasani sucks. Core water okay. is expensive. <laughs> I didn't, I was. In, I invested in Core Water. <laughs> did you really? Yeah, in the beginning, I made a lot of money out of Core Water. I love Core Water. <laughs> they sold to Dr Pepper, and I got Dr Pepper stock at the end. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I Had to wait a year to sell, it and I finally did. I was like, all right, now.
0: Dude, Dr Pepper was one of the only beverages when I was growing up. There was like five beverages, and one of them was Dr Pepper. Well, Shout here's the Dr. thing Pepper. I wanted to say. So like it's interesting because throughout time it's like yeah they try to put different right. things into communities. It's like like you were saying they try to uh, you know they'll try to diversify communities yeah. like oh let's bus in kids yeah. from different places. Let's let's try and flood it with um, drugs. Let's use oh drugs will be the solution you know. I think we're starting to realize over time that or money let's just try and pump mm-hmm. money and I think money definitely helps you know I, you know a lot of people talk about white privilege and I think a lot about green privilege. I think there is some white privilege yeah but I don't know if but I know that money, like you go to you look at a place like Atlanta. I was talking with Boosie about it. And just when you see that wealth, when you go to Atlanta and you see for the first time, I remember the first time I went there it was just it seemed like just like a the place where the Braves play, right. And then over time, it's become you see wealthy black people yeah. and, you, and you see, oh, this is what happens when a community of people has money. they are they live more. I don't want to say comfortably, like in their assets, but comfortably inside of themselves yeah. as a human, you know? Like, you don't see. I mean, I think the kids that I grew up around where it was like, yeah. you know, kids that just were just, you know, some of them didn't have parents, kids like 15, 20 years old couldn't even read, you know? Even just,
1: even, the, even the music scene, I think coming from Atlanta recently, a lot of these kids, um, you know, when you grew up, hip hop, you know, rappers came from like the lowest parts of a city or it was like they had to claw their way out to make music. And I think the last. 10 years, you have kids from the suburbs yeah. that actually are like changing the game. Like Lil Nas X, good example. He's like, uh, I think, I'm not going to speak on his family. I think he might be middle class kid, but he's like, he had the opportunity to um, put his energy in something that maybe he, wa- he wasn't going to be a rapper. Right, right. But, like but if then, it wasn't middle class, yeah. would he have been
0: able to have that ability and then he, to And then, do then he changed
1: the game. Had, like the biggest record yeah. of all time, actually. And I think that's something that happened because of, um, you know, putting people in a position where they can have a little more opportunities yeah. because at some point, I'm a firm believer that anybody in America can honestly make their way up to to where they can. I know that I'm going to have a lot more opportunities being a white guy. Right. My parents put me in a place that was made it healthier. But my father, you know, he was dirt poor. He had um, no opportunities. He had to go to the Vietnam War just to get it. He was like not even have a job just to get a GI Bill to go to college. And he mm-hmm. go to college he was like late 20s. And he's the only person to go to college out of like whole generation of his family for like 100 years. And he, And he made it and like went to college graduate like in the in third like when he's 30 or something and got a job at a hospital worked his way up to have a great job at a hospital and put me to college like gave me the funds to go to university of central florida so he didn't spend that much money but <laughs> but i would have never done it i wouldn't i wouldn't i mean I, I can get a i can get a student loan now which i suggest never doing like to anybody because i think it's the biggest sham there is but i my dad was able to do that and i right. think and he also maybe being white you know, in down south, also probably helped them secure a job in different places like Mississippi or um, Alabama. But at the same time, I think it's possible for anybody. But we're, it's different. Like the road is going to be a lot flatter for for me to climb than it's going to be for a young black guy who has to go up, you know, high. But if you're in the middle class, that's you know, I think the the economy doesn't really see race. It's like an algorithm; it sees zeros and numbers. It sees numbers, right? So right you know, like I think tech funds, all these things like that doesn't like they're not ra- inherently racist. Are are our, our, our political social economic system in America is inherently racist not it's probably by default because it's just been built that way and you can't decon you know you can't deconstruct it that easily but right it takes time it does take time but I think yeah you said like money is gonna give people more experiences that they can that they can take I mean having disposable income is you're going to spend money on music you're gonna go to concerts and when we're when the economy's good actually the music scene grows a lot more and I mean mm. right now you're not going to have a lot of new music in 2020 because no one's touring. People are scared to put out the records. No one's writing. No one's spending money at shows. People so are surviving.
0: Have, I mean, even as you said, you know, yeah. it's like not a time. It's a, you know when people are. It hadn't really been the time really to make maybe new music. Yeah. You know. Um. It's funny. Yeah. I think you know. Piggybacking on what you're saying, it's like yeah. When you're surviving, when you have to spend expend energy surviving. You don't. It's hard to fantasize yeah. or to imagine or yeah. to. Dream or yeah. to
1: you know it you can't it's really hard to do both. Like me, I never had opportunity. I didn't start making music till I was like twenty, like really putting my energy into it. So I was like tw- nineteen, twenty. Most kids like they starting like Billy Eilers like at 11, 12, You know, like I was as even as a DJ, I didn't put my first record out like like twenty six, and that's like that's I'm a grandpa. Days, yeah. You know, a, a rapper. If you're if you're not coming out at sixteen years old now, you're like yeah. your grandpa, who Yeah, is who nine? is you're old as fuck. So who's his dad? But I think um, I think now kids. Have that that opportunity, like they have a little, like I said, like SoundCloud. They don't need that. They don't need that fucking the the ceiling. They, they can they can break through. Yeah, if you have a good idea, good concepts. But right now, there's not a lot of. We're in like a TikTok generation. Like music's kind of we're, we're only digesting 15 seconds of songs right now. Yeah, it's almost and, like you have to have that hook. Yeah, which is not the rest of the music. I don't think a lot of TikTok records don't don't make artists though. So it's I hope it's a phase. I don't. I'm not mad at TikTok, and I've had I've used my TikTok to my advantage sometimes. But I think a lot of the songs that come out you get this guy has a song on tiktok that's like shoot i'm not gonna give examples like might be have like become a number one record and still has like you know thirty thousand followers on instagram because no one's actually checking for the artist they're right. just looping this moment right it's about like, the influencer that's that's doing it yeah i think tiktok is just like it's this weird uh, yeah i don't know if it, if those people become real artists off of there yeah they don't i think it's a trend thing but i think hopefully there might be someone that comes out of it that you're like oh you know soundcloud rap came out I thought it was all kind of garbage. And then X, 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 X Temptation came out. I was like, this guy, a real artist came out of it. Yeah. And like, had like, like kind of put the whole thing on his shoulder. Even at 6 9 I think he came out of it. It was like, he, he survived it and lasted. So, but all those other rappers that had like songs out, they're gone. You know, it's like they had like one month people played the yeah. records and it was hype. And then they're out. Do you feel like, cause you, you know, you do, I mean,
0: you know, you really love to experience different cultures, it seems like. And. And I mean, when you talk about it, it's at the forefront of your communication, you know, like, do you feel, you know, a lot of people get accused of cultural appropriation yeah. and stuff these days, which, you know, it's, it's a huge discussion topic, really. Yeah. But I feel... Do you, uh, but sometimes it's you're more of a liaison
1: for cultures, I feel 100% like. I'm a cultural appropriator. I mean, like I think that's- Do you feel that? I, I think- do you, I, I mean, do I you really feel I, that way? I just don't think there's anything wrong with it. Like, even even right. if, even if even just me doing country music, I'm a pro, I am wasn't like, you know, I'm starting doing country music right. at 25. You weren't born at a fucking rodeo. Yeah, yeah, like, I wasn't born, like, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't belong. Yeah, you weren't in Dallas Buyers Club or something. <laughs> so it's not <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, it's not Dallas, <laughs> that would be pretty <laughs> epic. Yeah. But, like, I think anything you do culturally, like, I don't think- what what am I supposed to do? Like, what defines yeah, what me? What am I supposed to do? Exist I, in a I place grew of up in Mississippi. I mean, i I Florida. Am I supposed to, like, ride an alligator or, you know, just, like, <laughs> yeah, work yeah, at I Walgreens? Don't I, don't I don't know. There's not any, I don't think anybody should be defined. And if you if you put rules on culture and music, you're setting yourself up for, like, constricting anything, any ideas. I mean, right. someone should have said, Little Not Sex. No, you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to make country music. I'm actually, I started doing, like, more random music earlier in my career to where if I started doing like Major laser now I would probably would never have flown you know like or if I did like I look back at like my video in my bounce video for Express Yourself that's New Orleans I, I can never make a video like that now like girls twerking I'm like the only white guy in the video and like I'm DJing I'm like in downtown New Orleans I mean like I look back and like that was a moment that couldn't happen now because there's like rules and regulation to that um, is there uh, I, I think yeah I'm a Lazer as a producer I'm just that's always been my job I've been fascinated by music right the people that that, that inspired me, someone like David Bowie. You know, he did funk. He did, you know, he did glam. He did like folk music. His biggest hit was like "Let's Dance" with Niles Rodgers. I mean, it was like full on like the guy who did Chic. I mean, he just and no one ever said like he's you know culturally appropriating something. He just was an artist. Right. I mean, art is art.
0: Um, yeah, and you have to be influenced. Like you yeah. have to be influenced by things. I mean, my favorite. Uh, Richard Pryor's my favorite comedian, Chris Rock's my second favorite comedian, yeah. and my other is this guy named Jerry Clower, actually, who's out of Yazoo City, Mississippi. I'll have to send you some of his stuff, man, because yeah. you've literally, since you've sat here, made me wanting to fucking listen to so much more
1: music. <laughs> I mean, I think with music, also, we, I owe a lot, like a, a band like The Clash is my, like my biggest influence, um, because they started with punk, they did reggae, they did hip hop, and they had a record, my favorite record of all time might be Rock the Casbah, which is like political, it's a dance record, it's beautifully done, it's produced really well. And um, if they came out today people people, been like, "What are you, what are you doing that? You know, like, what are you doing?" But I think that argument, I've been hearing that argument about culturally appropriating music for like twenty years, and I yeah. just don't go away. People listen to my music. If they like it, they like it. I hope that my music um, affects you to where you want to listen to, it, and you're like, "Oh, I love this. I love this country." Even with the country stuff, I mean, Nashville's not fucking with my country music sometimes. I right. think you listen to it, they're like, "Uh," but if a kid like you know, I'm making it for that fourteen year old kid driving around, like I don't, he doesn't, he doesn't think about like the rules when he right. listens to my music. And I'm like, oh, this isn't supposed to listen to that, you know. Um, and in fact, he probably doesn't want to listen to the music. His parents listen. I think he, shouldn't. I think he to. shouldn't, but I think he should have a lot of education on music because I am a, as a DJ. I've been. In, I know so much about music. I think yeah, that's my, like that's it, my right? only. That's the only thing I've done. So I know where I came from. I know that um, I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for black music. Even like black and gay music. When it comes to house records, um, I know where the roots come from, and I know to show support and love when I can to those people because that's actually my. That's what I can do for those people who are in the scene. Like if it's like a young black DJ. I'm gonna fucking book him over the, another young white DJ, just because, or if it's a young woman, because that's something I can do, right? And that's actually important. If I can make music and get to a position where I can help other people make more music. Well, it that's seems like the you best try thing to, do, to do, do that I mean it seems like you try to do that with your label yeah it 100% seems, is it but is it it does get
0: hard to juggle though doing your own and then also being a producer does it hard to get is it hard uh, to juggle not really both? I think
1: that um I used to just always like a good example like Beyonce I would always re- mark a record for Beyonce or Rihanna and if they wouldn't take it I'd make it my record you know I worked to make it for them because those are the two artists I was like I was constantly you know the manager like can we hear some ideas and I would Focus on that, and then I would never get the record done for them. But I would just, I'd be like, "Hey, I made this great record that they didn't take." Like, good stories, like "Lean On," my biggest probably record I ever made. um, With Major Lazer was written for for Rihanna originally, and the story is I played in the studio, and she just was like, "Not fucking with it." it. Wow. And um, but blessing because I own the master of that record, you know, and like I made like shitload of money, and and the the record reached a lot of people, and I was proud of it. And we made a video in India, actually, damn, with like with like no money, like seventy five thousand dollars, and then if I made that video today people would have fucking, it would have been canceled, you know, because like,
0: I love India. We're just here.
1: like, we're just chilling in India, I had a show there, I played for all these kids, like let me just, i the money I made at the show on the video and, the, and you know, here and we had the, a girl came out and the video, it's actually nice and awesome, you know, it's, it's a vibe, people are going to criticize it. I mean, you're going to get criticism all the time, you're going to yeah. get haters. Well,
0: I've had hard. it for so long. It's hard, man. It's hard not to. And especially these days, I even worry more about comedy. It's like, how can I talk about stuff? How can I yeah. try and share, you know, my truth or share like, you know, what my story is or even what my
1: thoughts are Yeah. without being like, I think like, sarcasm is, a lot is lost. That sucks for comedy because yes. sarcasm is a fucking art form, right? And I, I think, and people don't fucking get, they don't, they don't, they don't even take the time to like realize it and then you get stuck on like the, the quotable or whatever and then you're, you get fucked on something that you don't, you're not you listening to the context of my joke or whatever and I think that's. Comedy should be indifferent to that, but it's never. Yeah, I don't know
0: how it how it gets back to that because yeah, it's like my first ne- my first Netflix special is it's a, a lot of it is real tongue in cheek. It's almost yeah. like a character, you know, in a weird way. And yes, yeah, some people take it verbatim, and it's like, oh, but you don't see what I'm doing. You yeah. don't see what's going on here, you know. But yeah, sarcasm
1: is is it's, really it's hard. You have to be if you're going to go see a comedian, you have to give him artistic license. I think as a fan, you should. And uh, if something happens and you in the person co- is taken out of context, dig into it. And that person can defend themselves, too. I think it's it's fair enough, but um, you should be careful because you, if nothing else, I think cancel culture is pretty fucking whack, but if nothing else, it does help to take away some of the things that shouldn't be done. Right. So, but I think we're going to survive this and people are going to like what they like. If Something's funny and they know it's, you know, at the end of the day, be a good person, be kind, know, be informed about things. Um, I think what you know, when it comes to defund the police or Black Lives Matter, things like that, I am not want to talk about politics in the show, but I think if you get into it and you kind of just read a little bit, you can understand a little bit more about what this idea is, what the concept right. is. The words themselves are really scary.
0: Well, yeah, I it think. makes me think, I mean, uh, yeah, if you stay on Twitter, you're just going to get in fights, but I think yeah. if you, you know, it made me think, you know, and I see you as a big proponent of it and, you know, being out and involved. I saw you out in and involved in the protests and stuff on your, on your Instagram, and um, it makes, it's made me think as a person And then also as a white person, what do I have differences when I look at a black person? Do I have, you know, do I have different behavior? You know, it just, it started to, it's definitely made me think that. And that's, and that's the best thing of it. Yeah, Is to make me think what... You know, like, am I driving past impoverished neighborhoods, whether they're black or white or any color? It makes me think, like, and and thinking, oh man, those people don't have anything. Right. But then thinking, well, am I doing anything in my life to help be a part of? you know the solution like yeah. and even as you said like you were working as the TSS and you know and then they tried drugs to help with the kids and then they tried like well let's bust kids from different areas that'll change it I think in the end it's human connection really 100% that,
1: that, that. kids get together I think you see South Africa I was bringing that back up again these young people um, like like these kids are like like a, a young black guy I was talking to and he's like his girlfriend was white and um, he never he like never thought it was weird but of course his parents and her parents probably were like scared as a little as fuck. nervous like, yeah, yeah. Like, i think for them and those are the kids are going to change the world like those are kids that, that have this new definition of what it means to be oh yeah white parents, a young person you
0: bring a black kid over the, and they're like pass the bread and then like dad will be like you want me to bounce past it <laughs> like he tries to make a funny joke and you're
1: like oh my god i mean my dad and parents like they're still but they're they, trying I, sometimes I, they're trying. I, I i root for them but yeah like the honestly what's happened all this attention on 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 information is turned a lot of like my nephews and stuff who were like actually probably borderline racist about two years ago are a lot smarter. And they live in a diverse neighborhood. Like their high school is probably half, like half white, but they had to like, it's like jail. You had to like, kind of like go, you have to like fucking find your clique and live with it. Like, you're not, yeah. if you're a white person to go to jail, you have to join, the, you have to join a white <laughs> yeah, supremacy to, thing immediately. True. It's the only way to survive. I mean, it's like kind of sucks, but it's like, that's the fucking <laughs> definition we have. That and like true, in a high dude. school, same thing. Like kids. gay or German, bro, yeah. if you get in jail. <laughs> gay or German. So I think like we have, we that's going to be hard to get past that, you know. (laughs) But I think um, at the same time, I think my my nephew's like I talked to him a little bit. I'm like, why do you write something like that on Twitter? Because I I was like, I was like kind of concerned about him, and then like I had to kind of explain to him, like not in a attack him way, but I'm like, you know, kind of think about things. And you know, I think um, it helps. just like conversation. Like literally, it's hard because there's so much misinformation. Like honestly, because we just it's it's in, it's not really in our face when we see the problems that we just kind of cover them up. So right, it's up to everybody. You just got to learn. I mean, if you go to school yeah, and you- it's up to everybody to learn. Yeah, you got to learn. And it's, and, but, but yeah, and I think sometimes I, I even
0: feel like attacked as a white person. It's like, well, is it, you know, some people don't want to talk about, you know, equality or talk about, some people also are, they just want to be controlling and they, you know, so you have to, it's hard to like kind of, you know, it's just, it's tough. It's a tough balance because it's a lot of, A leave. lot of people are
1: just, it's tribal. You know, people feel like this right. is my tribe. I'm white and I have to def- I have to fight for this or whatever. They don't realize like that's- And black too. I yeah, mean, same thing. And people think, and I think that's what, you know, we're in this position, um, you know, and when, when Trump, he, his whole campaign is like based on division. He doesn't have a campaign stance, you know. I'm right. not going to endorse anybody, but I think that it's so easy for him to do that because that that disinformation, that tribalism is what creates- any energy for him because he has no energy otherwise because right. he has no stance in anything he has like no he has like no purpose as a president he has like no yeah, nothing a to stand a shady,
0: on i've always seen him as a shady businessman yeah. kind of which sometimes in some aspects of a you know it's what a lot of america's become yeah so i'm not shocked that he's the i mean president. he's a we,
1: we it's a but reality.
0: emotionally he doesn't have to he doesn't appear to have that ability to connect on an emotional level yeah. or or under emotionally understand. i love it. i love
1: when someone asks him, like his favorite bible chapter oh, yeah. <laughs> he's like i'm not going to answer that I, it's, I love the whole book yeah. old testament new testament he's like i love them equally both yeah. those like he has no idea about it. he doesn't even read the, he didn't read the bible his whole life but like
0: what a black testament <laughs> white testament he's like love them both. Yeah, yeah he just doesn't he doesn't have any opinion dude it's almost you know it's so funny You talking about wrestling earlier everything is turned really into the wwe it's yeah. all about 15 second bits it's all
1: about fucking wwe hype. though god damn the racial stereotypes and how crazy it was but it defined me as a kid. I learned about everything. Like there was but like, I loved them, there though. was like, there was like the fucking, shh, there was like Sergeant Slaughter. There yeah. was the junkyard dog. There was the fucking Australian dudes. There was a fucking Chinese guy. There yeah, was a yeah, Iranian yeah, yeah. terrorist, yeah. but even Sergeant Slaughter wasn't a good guy. He was a bad guy. It was like, there were no rules. It was like Hulk Hogan became a bad guy for a while. It was like. Coco Beware came yeah. in with that bird on his shoulder. Everything was like the most. St- they just built the stereotypes <laughs> yeah, so yeah. crazy. And as a kid, you like learned yeah.
0: about everything. You
1: learned about it. You were like. <laughs> Tatanka.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's one of your favorite wrestlers. And yeah, but that's how a lot of us learned about. Dude, the only Asian
1: he's probably a hero at Tatanka right you probably love him you're like fuck yeah Yeah. Yeah. he's my guy I had a a hatchet that he he would come out with a hatchet there was no definition there was no good or bad like after a while like everybody was bad or the good like he probably turned into a heel if he was there long enough you become the heel right you become the guy that's like the evil guy totally they gotta
0: spin it around I I got one last question I want to ask you and I'm just trying to remember what it is in my head real quick um Tatanka to and, and I could talk to you forever but I just uh, you know
1: uh, Ricky the uh, Dragon Steamboat too. oh dude that was Love the him. only Asian person that I knew he growing was. up was Manny Ricky Yoko, the Dragon came in at the end he was the, he was the sumo guy Iron Sheik Iron Sheik <laughs> I may remember Iron Sheik he, <laughs> who, he, he got big on Twitter cause know, he, he, he yeah he he, uh, he he DM'd me sometime he had this amazing Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Jim Duggan story, huh. where they were like on a coke bender together and they got arrested yeah. in like Alabama or something. And they were supposed to be like arch rivals, like Hacksaw Jim Duggan, like the pro-American guy. Oh yeah, guy. I remember and then him. Iron Sheik was like the like hum- Iranian hum- terrorist. And they were like, they have partied together. And then they animated the story once, so they got caught by the police and they had to get they had to go to jail together. <laughs> and they got caught like, oh they're friends and it kind of ruined their whole fucking storyline. Oh, ruined
0: the whole vibe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, do you see the documentary that Jake the uh did you see the Jake the Snake documentary? No, I
1: gotta watch that. And it's so good. He's he no has he become governor?
0: Uh no, that's, that's Jesse Ventura. Jesse, Ventura, Jesse Ventura, Ventura, yeah. Jake the Snake, his best thing was though, sometimes he he had to check the snake and they would put it down below in the plane, and the cold air would kill the snake. Oh, so he would literally he had to get
1: a new snake all the time.
0: <laughs> or sometimes he'd bring out his bag with a dead snake in it and it just it never oh. came out of the
1: <laughs> <bag>. <laughs> Damn, it could have been a um emotional support snake nowadays yeah totally. <laughs> i bet they have those oh, they have those there's a woman that had a kangaroo on a plane they had a horse like recently they took the horses out though that was too crazy um i love these guys and also you can be a fucking wrestler and be like 45 and just still be like a sex symbol yeah like, I, I need those i'm 41 so i need to like figure out what my next move is man and wear those tights man do you have a uh you know i look at john Mayer sometimes not
0: fit either <laughs> like and no you just had to be a fucking man, <laughs> yeah. dude. They're
1: not, they're well, not I'm waiting muscles. for some real gay wrestlers no, to come out, Oh, too. there was Goldust. Oh, I didn't even know Gold Goldust that. was a gay. He was like borderline gay. You don't know, but you didn't even, it wasn't even like a controversial thing. Racism, <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was a no rules, man. Well, don't you find how interesting the, it is Gold that- Goldust wrestler, yeah. I think. He was, oh, I think no. it was Dusty Rose's son.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, don't you find it interesting how online people are one way, oh. and in real life, there are different they're different.
1: Yeah, I mean, also uh, being online is anonymous. You don't have to be anything. You just be fake. Yeah. People are like inherently like racist just because they want to do that. I mean, talk. That's what the kind of the online world kind of sucks. Yeah, because you don't really get a real person out, out there anymore. You know. Yeah, and it's funny because
0: you would argue with someone online, but if you met with them and, dis- and, t- and had the same conversation, yeah. you would not. It probably wouldn't be an argument.
1: Also, people like you know they want to they want to stroke controversy and they like just they'll do any different yeah, retweets and just to get a little hype on things. Like some guys. Some other DJs, right, like called me out during this whole process moment, and I'm like, I know the people, and I'm like, bro, you're gonna get a couple of retweets for this, and I'm DM like, y- you know, are you gonna like, this worth like not having a friendship with me anymore for this? And some of them are just like, I, you know, how to cut people off sometimes, like just like, yeah, they, they get, just to get a little hype, get a little retweet is like, talk to me if you have a problem, you know, like let's do something, let's hash it out. Yeah, 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 let's discuss it. And here's a, here's Post Malone's son. <laughs>
0: Gang, gang,
1: I got a little, uh, question from
0: Shit. Um, I can hear it. Making electronic music. What do you think you'd be doing? Like, if that just wasn't an option, what do you think you'd be doing right now? What's funny, because that's what I was going to ask. You know, John Mayer, I've seen him do comedy before. Yeah. And hes I thought he was extremely funny for a yeah. guy who doesn't get to get reps like everyone else because yeah. and the reason he says he doesn't is because i can't get up there at a blank slate anymore it's just they won't it's not how it's going to interact with society you know you get people get to get up and practice the blank slate yeah I, so and i think he would have been a great comedian is there is there something else you like uh but he just didn't have enough time it's funny with life you
1: only yeah. get really so much time I mean, he, he I saw him once do a, at the Peppermint Lounge with Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those ones where you lock your phone up. And I think it was a lot of the stuff that was on Dave's like, was that on Netflix special or something like two years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So he did a lot, of that, a lot of that material and it was pretty controversial and I think he kept some of it out. Um, <laughs> some, I can't even repeat some of it, but and it had like Eddie Murphy in the front. It was like all, the, it was like, a, and it was wow. awesome because it was like, that was like a no fucking holes barred, like do whatever he wanted without the phones. Cause you can't really, yeah. word of mouth, he did something controversial. No one cares. Right. A video of it. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's evidence or whatever. Right. Yeah, and
0: clubs have started doing that lock yeah, in
1: your phone. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of, which is kind of the only way to keep, keep people like that's, it's your experience is here. You're not going to take this and go get a gotcha moment on a comedian or something. Yeah. But he did it with John Mayer and it was awesome. He did like the, it was very, improvised oh, which cool. i think the whole thing was improvised and that, that's scary to me but they have reports like a podcast i guess right you just kind of i mean we wouldn't be very good on a comedy maybe stage but not. maybe maybe we'll have to put some <laughs> practice a little bit but uh they had it they had the, they had the chemistry and it just works so Well, I john awesome. i think
0: john but i i just thought i feel like john is just a genius and in, in almost yeah. he could have gotten into a couple different things you know but he got into music and so yeah. that's where his creativity his went.
1: his his current mood is awesome though his little TV show he does oh, yeah, on, it's on, um, great. on Instagram Live. And yeah. He was the first guy to do it before all these... Before there was like pornos on Instagram Live, which took over, he was like, <laughs> had the first popping Instagram Live and it was really funny and very clever and he's a fucking smart guy. He's a really smart guy. Do you... But do you see... But is there something else that you feel like, man, if I'd have had more...
0: Um, like, do you think you could have been... You know, you're a great producer. Do you yeah. think, you know, an entertainer I'm, musician, I'm, I'm do you always think you could have been something
1: else? I'm always... A, I'm like a cultural agitator you know you might say like cult like you know appropriate whatever it is I think that you can go and in, in, in read a lot about what cultural appropriation means but I was always felt like a cultural agitator to where i like I went to school the reason I went to temples because I went to school for for, for anthropology because I was obsessed with culture like literally I was obsessed with like what it means to be a human being like what what it is to, to be creative and what do you, what is it what, what defines you from who you are to, to create what you are mm. and I was obsessed with like the history of people in like different places. Like why do Japanese people dress like this? And why do they make music like this? And what's Hindu religion about? And like, what does it mean to be like, uh, you know, maybe a, if, what's it like to be living in Texas and like work at a cement factory? Like, what is this? Yeah. Like, this is what I was always obsessed with. And I went to school for anthropology and, and, and documentary filmmaking. And I was like, I really wanted to bring people and in, in culture to life in a, in, a cl- in a clever way, in a new way. And I worked on some documentaries, I even made one a couple of years ago before I started making music about Brazil. 'Cause I was like obsessed with like the music there and the culture and the weirdness of it. It's just fucking weird. Like yeah, I went no there, one,
0: yeah, Salvador once and it was wild.
1: No, because that place is just defined by it's a fucking mess. There's no it's like it's European, it's Portuguese, it's African, it's Indian, Japanese it's even? Japanese, it's like all those things create something. And um that's what that's why I've kind of like always shy away from like discussing like what it means to Create culture because I mean, culture is mutations, and it ha- if to, for it to move and to, for things to be created, you have to put two things together that, that shouldn't belong or mm. that are random. Like you know, a Japanese. Like if you go to in Sao Paulo, there's a neighborhood called Liberdade, and it's one million Japanese Brazilians live in this neighborhood, and you so walk wow. around and see like Japanese guys named mm-hmm. like. You know Miguel Carvalho <laughs> Kawasaki, and he's got like long hair, and he's fucking walking around like a yeah, fucking yeah. G, and you're like, "That's yeah, not that's, son, the, I bet. Yeah, <laughs> but that's like that's a real fucking right. That's a thing. And That's like I, I'm like I love that that exists, and like yeah. what, what's like what's comes from that? And like, the, what, why is there samba music or or bossa nova, and it? it comes from these things that just explosions, right? And that's what culture is to me, and I always want to be part of that. I love that. Cool. So you love culture, man. So I, even if it's not just the music, music just seems to be the easiest way for people to to digest culture is like music because mm. that's like going to be your introduction to country music, your introduction to like African music. This, the music is, is it. You don't have to read about the history of Africa to like understand a Nigerian record. It just affects you. Right. So that's why I love music and the idea of culture. But um, I would love to work back in film and documentary. That would be cool if I get older because I mean, uh, you know, my days are numbered as a DJ. I hope that I want to be like a 55-year-old DJ. I, if, I, if I can make it that long, I'll, I'll do it if it pays the bills. But I mean, at the end of the day, I want to, I wanna age gracefully and do more do more things. I think music was one thing i do. Maybe it's film and TV next. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I own a pizza shop or something. Yeah. Maybe a woodworker. I could see that, dude. Would you um
0: I have to fucking pee so bad, man. I have to pee too. All
1: right. Yeah, if you want to watch this movie, a it's it's it's, a, it's hour, it's hour and twenty five minutes, but it's not that well done. But I funded the whole movie by myself. Like I would get shows, I'd oh, go back really? to Brazil.
0: Favela on blast?
1: And, yeah, I would get money from shows and go back to Brazil and bring a camera and like shoot no. shit. No. I shot run, it with you. It's a guy in Brazil that I knew named Leandro. He's a filmmaker that I met. I, I worked at this magazine called Colors as a as a young person. I got a job there, and I met a bunch of filmmakers and stuff. And I just kept in touch with them before internet, you know. And this is like two thousand and seven or something. No two thousand or two thousand four. And I just met some creative people, and I met this guy. We made a movie together, and um, I would never ever suggest doing something like this on your own. Like I just like the biggest waste of money I made, like and having like the pressure of creating it, and like having like be stingy on the budget, like everything I made money wise. I put yeah, back I keep in doing for that it. couple of years, so... And, yeah, you go halfway down the road, you got to get all the way there. Yeah. Yeah. I got to pee so bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. me too. Should we go pee together? Yeah, maybe go pee together. <laughs> <Different
0: styles. laughs> Is there different stalls? All go. Oh, this one I want to ask you about. So, ego. So, like, you know, in the last couple of years, I've had a bigger career, right? And so, you know, there are moments where my, where my ego starts to get big, you know, and I, and I never... I always knew I had maybe some ego. We all have it. Yeah. But I never really thought like, oh, well, what is, it? you know, like, and there's moments where it started to feel really, con- you know, not out of control, but it grows without my consciousness of, yeah. of it growing. Do you ever have any issues like with that or just, were you ever able to see that in
1: your own life? I think, I think, I think that's, people probably see it more than I do, you know, when it comes to ego, because I'm just like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a kind of an independent person and I maybe it affects other people's lives like build up my friends or my uh, family and I, sometimes they put me in check but for the most part i mean being humble is where i, I think i got where i'm at like you always gotta pay dues and just feel feel good but if you really want to ego check just go on twitter every, every once in a while and just see what people are talking yeah. shit about that'll oh, fucking yeah. break you down pretty quick i also think I, I started about four years ago i did ayahuasca for the first time and um that's a fucking ego deflator, like hardcore. Yeah. Like you do that, and it's like a drug that kind of puts you, like you might even poop your pants. Damn. So you, it just kind of breaks down yeah. that, whatever you feel, you become like more of a, of a, of a, of a it naturalizes you in a way, I, yeah, I, can't, I don't shame. explain it. Yeah, it kind of gives you the shame. Yeah, Like, and you're puking, and you're thinking of things, and you don't, You just it's, it's, you're in a dark, it's dark, and then it's bright, and it just, you just, you go through a lot of things. The best way to explain it, how it helps you is that, if you have a messy closet, right? When you when you do ayahuasca, it kind of helps put everything in the drawers, mm. so it, you can like understand things a little better because that's what your brain probably is it's like a messy closet sometimes. But I've done that, and that. The two times I did it, it really helped ground me to where I had another outlook a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I try to use that message now when I you know because it is important to not have an ego. But at the same time, ego's back to six nine. It got him where he's at. Like even if he even if it's all big play, he knows right. he's using it for his advantage. Sometimes it could work. It, it kept could backfire pretty yeah. easy if you don't have it planned out if you're not playing chess with it if you're playing like checkers with it you, it could backfire on you but yeah um
0: we had um you know one of my favorite comedians is a guy Lee and he would always um reference you on his instagram called what like, am i, what am I low? Low? Yeah. Yeah. did you ever interact with him about that did you think that it was yeah funny? well he, he
1: was friends with dylan francis uh okay. early on and i i think um i, I met him through through that and we, i never met him actually but we just I, I, I didn't understand I don't know if he was making fun of me or not at the beginning but right. I, was, I was retweeting it and I thought it was pretty funny yeah it was so funny but, but, it, but I was like I'm not even that special but I guess I'm like a B level <laughs> celebrity that he picked because I thought you could put could pick somebody better or whatever but it, it was kind of cool I got a lot of like a lot of people always tagged me when he did that yeah it's um, funny
0: I thought because then I got to be I got to go to once I started getting like ice cream and stuff. i was like, "What am I, Chris D'Elia? It made it so it was fun for me because then I got to do it to uh, just make fun, like make bring him into it, you know, be part of his thing
1: from it. Um, but yeah, I was just wondering how that landed on you. I never, I never really. We, we, we He always commented on my Instagram, and he was like, dude, "Fucking, he's bizarre." Like you know, I like, oh, think that's, yeah. that's what's really cool about him. It was like he's
0: real creative. You man.
1: scratch your head when you see some of the stuff he does, and I think Dylan Francis, another DJ, was like kind of like borderline comedy and a DJ, which is kind of a cool space because no one really does that um but dylan was really he, he acts and is in tv shows and stuff like that um yeah, but yeah he's
0: too too creative man
1: he's like he's like riffraff sometimes you watch some of those videos like what the fuck are you in th-? and the and he's trying to like not even land him to be funny it's just almost like it's just it's just something which is great was a, a real creator can kind of not really aim for like a success but just like a shock value thing um another guy who i love who's kind of like half comedian half dancer is this guy named um Fucking I may have to look him up. I always forget his name. He's a, a dancing guy. Um, it's, he he's gonna take a second. We're gonna edit this out. No, worries, so this guy, Cholo
0: Fit Creeper, that I like. Who's Latino?
1: Oh, is that Dog Face guy too? That uh-uh. he's like a he's like a Crip kind of like dances. Oh, yeah, 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 at, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I was I sent his thing to
0: uh, Frankie Frankie Quinones. Which I think is the best last name. If I could have any last name, it would be King Yoni. King
1: Go. is a good one. Yeah. It's uh, this guy, Casey Frey. Oh yeah, Casey Frey, is- Bro, I mean, he, first of all, he's one of the sickest dancers ever. And he doesn't really dance that often. But his like some of his comedy is just like, <laughs> so what the fuck? And then the way he integrates like dance and comedy, like I don't even think he does. He, he does it on purpose. He just is like, it's just a special. who he is. Yeah, yeah. I played basketball a couple of times. We we know each other just from he's in, he's friends with a lot of the DJs and um just love that guy. He's like so he inspires me a lot. He seems really cool. People always
0: uh, say you got to uh, talk to Casey Frey or you yeah. got to connect with him. Maybe that's a good vibe that I need to. Um, I think that's everything that I have, man. I mean, I could keep talking about stuff, but you <laughs> know, I just want to yeah thank you for your time. And, yeah, man. And it's time. interesting. Yeah, man. I do think it's interesting how like even just from talking to you, it makes me want to know a little bit more about uh you know it makes me want to know more about music but it makes me want to also have a little bit more respect for like the history of music because yeah people don't realize like that even just like humans like music comes from like parents yeah you know like music like each sound has like a couple of parents to exactly. it you know and
1: grandparents and then um i mean i think you do the same thing with that i do with comedy like you know the history like you said some of your favorite comedians oh yeah yeah i, um, I do know a good bit about i think it. i think like the, and you know you're you're gonna be you know, you're, 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 you're the com- comedy of right now. So you have to take all the things that happened before you understand that, twist it up and then know how far you can push things. And I heard Kevin Hart say that once, he's like, he has a black comedian. He always like, he's going to push it further than he, than, and then there's going to be someone in five years going to push it further than him. Mm. It's like their job. His idea is just a the trail. And I think you, it's gonna be the same thing. Like, you know, the history, and you're going to push it as the character that you are and the person you are. And I think It's a little bit difficult now because you have to walk a tighter line with comedy. I almost like
0: the challenge part of me sometimes. Last week, I was like, you know, two weeks ago, I was scared. yeah, And then last week, I was like, you know what? This is what it is, you know? And I think that I can
1: do it. It's going to make people be a little bit tighter about what they do almost. When you have a set of rules, it sounds fucked up because we were just talking about how there should be no rules or anything. But it also can create something special. I'm going to give you a really boring metaphor uh, you probably want to edit this out, but I went to film school and I went to a class Why called not? a class called Iranian Iranian cinema. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs>
0: yeah, bro, that's crazy. I live <laughs> in Westwood, bro. So, okay, yeah, this I've, might be, might be some it. people.
1: But um, Iran has this amazing film industry in the '90s, and there's a director called Abbas Kiarostami, and he made a record movie called like Water, Waterford or something about chocolate. Water for Chocolate? Something like, something for chocolate. Maybe look up the I film because I don't want to fucking butcher yeah, water this. For water for Chocolate. Chocolate. But he is a famous director because in Iran, it's such a Muslim country and the rules to make a film, like you can't sh- show any women without the hair mask. You have to, sh- to talk about God in certain ways. There's like all these fucking rules. Wow. But these guys made these films where it's like such a narrow line they can walk and they always win like awards worldwide for these films. They make this guy especially because it's just like, he made a lot of films, but I think he having those rules and having to have to work inside that mm. became something really. You have to push even harder to get that creative juice in people to know what you're, what you're talking about and make a message happen. So,
0: dude, that's no, that's so interesting to say to hear you say that. Yeah, because the rules, it was almost like when the teacher or if the government, whatever it is, it tells you, okay, this these are the rules. It's there's something then inside of you that's like, okay, okay, I see your rules. Yeah, I'm gonna play by the rules, but watch what I'm gonna yeah, do. Yeah. Find a of loophole or something. Yeah, man,
1: that's that's pretty fascinating. Um
0: Thomas Wesley, thank you so much for being here. Do you like Diplo or do you
1: like Thomas? Do you... My real name is actually Thomas Wesley Pence, but just like I, I put the Thomas Wesley, my first and middle name, because a lot of country guys have two first names, kind of oh, the vibe. Right um but yeah, Wesley's my real name. People you, always call me Wesley.
0: Do you feel like uh do you feel like you're still Diplo? Do you feel like it's been like a like you're a snake or something ever that shed its skin? It's, do you feel like it's just something that
1: I mean, people, people, when they, when fans see me now, they go, Thomas, because they just read my Wikipedia page or whatever. They don't want, they don't want to say Diplo. It's also not a very cool name, but it's like, you know, it's, it's more
0: of, tri- it almost seems tribal <laughs> a little yeah, bit like, though in a
1: weird way. I, I kind of, it doesn't, it, it never had really a defined reason to be called that, but I, you know, whatever. It worked, it worked for me and I, I did a lot of different music, but at this point I have so many different little bags, like I do, like. Thomas Wesley did like the Major laser. did this thing called Silk City with Mark Ronson, did thing called LSD with a, um, Sia and Labyrinth. And it was like a psychedelic project. So I'm just like fascinated with like, you can do things. You can right. do different things. and
0: You can be different people.
1: And that's kind of like, th- it throws you into a tussle if you kind of want to bring out the like, cultural Whatever I can, I, can, I do whatever. So you can't really. I know, I know, no group can be mad at me for too long. So I'm gonna, right. <laughs> I'm that's gonna be. move on to the next thing. By the time they figure out what they're mad about,
0: it's interesting the cultures that are kind of within us, even within our seri- within our types of thought. You know, like sometimes we're, we might we not even recognize that repeated thoughts that we have inside of us, or even take on a culture of our own. And if we're afraid to act on those, are we like kind of putting a dam on like some ability of our think, own creativity I think and stuff? Art
1: is like, man, that's the one thing, man. It's putting putting art in a box is like you're you're, you're keeping yourself from so many experiences um, that could happen you know yeah it's always about being like open yourself up a little bit and you know it's all about just being a nice good person being kind having empathy and create but create you know do things responsibly not that hard. You can fuck up. Also, you can fuck up and fucking t- fix it. And say a fuck, yeah. You can say you can fuck up. I mean, look at people always talk about um XXX I brought him up a lot in this conversation. I don't know if you know his music that well, but Mm-mm. he had a terrible he was a rapper that um Yeah, no
0: just of his death and his He had a
1: terrible uh history with women and violence and women. And um a lot of people, you know, wrote him off for that. And um and I feel him. They if they want to, they can. They have the right to do that. But he affects a lot of people's lives where they just his music would really touch people in a way that rap hasn't done that in a long time people like have records that had this like kurt cobain feeling which is really in raw, mm. and raw like, and people affected that way like little people the same thing and i think it's okay for him to work at himself and be better and i think the music like i said music's about a feeling music is something that doesn't have to have history sometimes right a lot of people die. i mean you can also define like michael jackson take him off the radio some people say like that i mean do what you, what you want. I'm not going to take Michael Jackson off my my iTunes. I'm not going to stop playing his records. If you don't give people the ability to like
0: recognize or learn yeah. or evolve or anything, I mean, that almost be, such uh, a
1: cake. Not everybody should be defined by their history. Look, A good example is like Malcolm X, you know. Um, if you had wrote him off like, you know, beating women and going to prison and doing things and went to prison, changed his life and became a great leader and an amazing, you know philosopher in a way um so the people have lots to of offer you yeah. know i think you need to define like what is it that's not right and let them know that and like let them change and um hopefully that makes it better for other people yeah because cancel culture it's easy to take down celebrities but you're not taking down the guy next to you at a bus or whatever that's actually doing damage or like verbally abusing or a woman that's you know right and that's what we have to we have to find the ways to change those things like where where it's where it's normalized for people in everyday culture like in a frat or whatever it is that's gonna be the ones to to change the world not the, not just like yeah somebody gotcha moment on a on a a twitter or something but
0: yeah yeah i agree man it's it's definitely disheartening to see like some of that some of that culture you know uh but yeah but but to take it into our regular lives you know and to recognize okay well first of all what are my own behaviors that i could be you know like even going back to the black lives matter movement and and just seeing a lot of that go on you know like Um, it just made me think like, okay, well, what, let me really ask myself. You know, if I t- if I'm talking to a black person, do I have different e- things in the back of my head? Yeah. While I'm talking with them, you know, or if I'm th- if I'm with one of my black friends and my behave you know, like just little things, which some of it's okay, some of it's just nature, yeah. and it's going to be. But just make sure, just to check myself to see what's going on, you yeah. know, and,
1: and we have to we have to allow spaces where people can do that. Uh, I mean, life's we're all about learning, people. Yeah, life's about learning and changing. I mean, I, if we if we want to say it so, no one can change fuck uh-huh. we're not we're fucked yeah. <laughs> we're fucked because yeah. that's we we got to change yeah. everybody's got to change and and that's it's, it's okay yeah it's okay to do better
0: yeah um yeah right. it's okay to do better that's a good that's a good statement uh thomas wesley uh thanks so much for being here man
1: let's, let's, thank you for having me let's, appreciate we'll do it again bro. yeah we'll do next it again. next country album gang dude now
0: i'm just floating on the breeze and i feel i'm falling like these leaves i must be
1: cornerstone Oh, but when I reach that ground, I'll share this peace of mind
0: I found. I can feel it in my bones, but it's going to take a little time for me to set that parking brake and let myself unwind, shine that light.